welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. And I'm JP. And no Joe with us this week. He's uh, currently on holiday, but helping us hold the fort down. It's the uh, it's the main band behind Grapple. It's Grapple himself. It's Grapple Gareth. Hi, Gareth. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so, 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 apologies, listeners. You've got me, not Joe, talking about uh, extreme rules, but uh, I'll do my best. <laughs> Look, mate, you, you stayed up. I saw I saw your shirty tweets as I got later on in the night uh, last night uh, when I got up this morning. I think uh, we expect we should expect some salty takes from you. Never mind, uh, Joe, on this one. Yeah, I'll, I'll learn from the best, Benno. I'll learn from you. It's uh, you can spend days putting together these fancy graphics with ratings, but you just get a get a few salty texts out there, and you get the likes and retweets. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. What's life if not winning a Twitter? That's the, uh, that's the important <laughs> stuff. Uh, how are you, JP? It's been a little while since we spoke. Uh, obviously, you had the uh, yeah. very well-received uh, roundtable uh, last week that we'll talk about in a bit bit more detail later, but you're all right. I can see you there mm. on, uh, on this call, sat there in your Waterford top uh, that, that I mistakenly yeah. thought was an old-school Everton top. Uh, blue, like, nice and blue, yellow and white. That's a nice thing, that JP. Good to see you, uh, good to see you representing it. Oh, great, Tom. And a shout out to listener Nathan Coulson for messaging me that the League of Ireland shirts were on sale at M&M Direct, which I never thought that this podcast would go in that direction. But here we are, <laughs> where you can end up getting uh, getting this. And I saw a Waterford shirt. I've lost enough weight through this relentless walking thing that I'm doing to wear to wear a large football shirt now, which I'm very pleased with. So, yeah, um, bigging up, uh, bigging up the Dacia. <laughs> Do well. That man. means nothing to you two, but Jamesy will like that. <laughs> How's the walking going? You're, uh, I've seen you getting about a bit. Not, not seen much of you in Strava, mm-hmm. JP, but I know you've uh, you've been getting your steps in. Uh, but... Are you? No, no, no. I use Google Fit for it ever oh. since I switched to Android. Yeah, um, which I know you're a big believer in the old Android as well. No, I've done up to. I've probably done a hundred k at this point. So I did a 10k walk today mm. and got lost as well along the way. So that nice. added on at least half a kilometre. But no, doing well, enjoying it. It was a lovely day out as well. And I managed to stop by home base on the way back to pick up some plants to put out on my balcony. Okay. Um, so yeah, it was a remarkably somewhat adult day, really, which was really kind of ruined by me watching Extreme Rules, I have to say. <laughs> that kind of brought down what had been a tough, you know, I'd woken up, there's a bit of Radio 4 I listened to this morning, so, mm. you know, and then finished it off watching some shit, which I felt embarrassed to watch with my son. Uh, it's kind of the life of being a wrestling fan, really, isn't it, at this point? It is. Uh, Gareth, obviously, we haven't had the chance to uh, to record properly, but I did see you uh, last week uh, out on your exercise, doing your... Uh, do, doing your marathon sprints, doing your uh, doing your best Linford Christie on Crosby's Promenade. Uh, how's that going? Yeah, yeah, good. It's uh, one of the uh, one of the few benefits of this uh, situation is actually not having to do like a massive commute and uh, getting all this time at home, and just means that get out, get a bit of exercise in, and yeah, been running for running for miles. Forty two next month, and I'm running faster than I did in my late twenties. So life <laughs> in the old dog yet, and. Uh, yeah, you, you nearly got knocked in the sea, didn't you? Fucking hell, mate, honestly. I was like, I'm telling you, JP, I was doing... I was just going for a walk. 
that's all I wanted to do. I was just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this couch to 5k thing, but I'm taking my time. Gareth, I'm not quite on your level. And I just saw, like, this this sprinting man in front of me, like, <laughs> shooing women and children out of the way and, like, looking like he was going to lariat them into the sea as he, uh, as he came running. And as you were close to, I realised it was you. I was a bit worried I might have slowed down your time by uh, by giving you a wave and saying hello, but yeah, no, I think I think you still made it, even with uh, with that distraction. I was going to say, luckily, uh, I wasn't in my pants with my tassels and doing the full <laughs> Ultimate Warrior impression and things like that, you know, with those flying clotheslines down the uh, promenade. But yeah, you got off, got off lightly there. <laughs> I, I like this Steve Cram meets Stan Hansen thing you've got going on around there. <laughs> I, I, stick with it, mate. It's working. <laughs> it's, when, it's when I start running with a cowbell that you know that I've got really late. <laughs> exactly. you know, I'm just uh, really testing myself a bit further. Yeah, I, mean, I assume you already have the cowboy hat. So you'd be kind of good to go. <laughs> Not for out of the house. <laughs> hey. That's a good look. I've never been a hat guy, but I became a hat guy during lockdown when my hair got really bad. I kind of uh, like I've, I bought a, a nice little selection of hats now. That's that's kind of who I am now, JP. I've changed. I haven't got quite got like the Irish dad hat like you. Just a lot of baseball yeah. hat caps, that type of thing. I mean, I'm 36, so I'm pro- probably getting too old for for that look. But I don't know, Gareth, you pull it off. So I, I feel like I'm gonna. Uh, I, 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 I have to pull it off. I have to. I haven't got. I haven't got the hairline of you two. I've got the. Uh, I've got a little island at the front and the peaks. Uh, peaks going back there. So you know the hats are definitely becoming more and more part of my repertoire. That, that is one what? small benefit of lockdown. I did realise that that my dad has given me and my brother like these jeans where my hair is literally just going to grow out for it. If if I let it go, like the, honestly, the uh, the the hook null in me could have uh, got completely out of control. <laughs> like honestly, I, I was glad to learn that though. You should have done it as a sort of eighties throwback, no? Uh, you'd have looked. You'd have looked like somebody. I don't know. Somebody would have worked. Worked as a kind of undercard guy in mid-Atlantic or something, wouldn't you? <laughs> Steve Doll or someone like that. I reckon I'm, I'm more look like, you know, when I, I'd like put my cap on and I'd have like my curly tuft coming out the back of my, my cap. I, I'm basically just like easy. I look like, a, you know, like the Jerry curl that like all the, uh, the 80s rappers used to have. Like I, I just wasn't pulling her off, JP. It, it couldn't have gone any longer. Uh, I love the way you were easy in your mind. <laughs> no, it says a lot, doesn't it? I probably should have gone with like one of the lesser members, like GJ Yeller, maybe, or MC Ren. Or maybe just not a member of NWA in general. I probably can't pull that off. Uh, have you guys been out much uh, in the last couple of weeks since like things have started to, to ease up a bit? I haven't quite made it to a pub yet. I'm still enjoying the... I'm still enjoying getting the Aldi beers in and uh, and sitting in while I, while I still can. But I'm I'm kind of well. The pubs around here are fucking awful, mm. to be honest with you. Exactly where I am, so like most of the time I can't be bothered. I think the most hazardous journey was to TK Maxx, um, which was to buy some baking trains and picture frames. That shows you how rock and roll my the early part of my week was. Um, <laughs> And I felt a, it was a bit cavalier in Why there. Why did you go the to TK Maxx for these things? Is there not like a home bargain by. nearby or B and There is. Uh, in that Cowley Centre. In fact, I know honestly, there is. Yeah, as the scan. Yeah, it's the fucking Wild <laughs> West in there at the minute. People, people are playing by rule. They look at you weird if you're wearing a mask. Mm. Like Jesus Christ! Like you do get some like kind of funny stares occasionally, but yeah, that's as far as I've gone. Other than sort of going out on my walks, which I'm, to be honest, I'm kind of all right with at the moment. I've, I've just replaced the golf course with a hill. So I'm kind of good <laughs> with this for the time being. But isn't it mandatory from what is it, Friday? Uh, go and walking on hills or wear a mask. No, I wish it was. 
That'd sort out this nation. He says, doing his best right-wing impression. Um, it would be... Uh, no, isn't it mandatory on Friday for wearing masks? Oh, yeah, If you're I think going so. into shops. Yeah, I've been doing it anyway, to be honest. Like, the last couple of times I've been to the... I, I forgot once and I felt like a scumbag. But then you get there and no one's doing it anyway. So, like, I'm hoping, like... It does feel a little bit like... Like, now of all times we're introducing mask wearing. Like, this feels like the thing you bring in three months ago to, to slow the spread. To kind of be like, oh, yeah... The pubs and the restaurants are open, and obviously you can't wear a mask there because you, you're drinking and eating. But yeah, going to Tesco, you need a mask now. Uh, kind of sums this, uh, this country up, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like when I was thinking about condoms several months after my kids were born. <laughs> wow. Spe- speaking of which, I have been out this weekend. Um, Sarah's friend uh, had both our kids on Sunday for the day. She like took them away somewhere. So because um, uh, Mrs. has been going into work, it's literally just been me and my kids in the house every single day for okay. the entire time of lockdown. So it was I was like living the dream on Sunday. It was like a day away from a, away from a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old arguing and fighting with each other. So uh, that was bliss. Just went down to Bold Street where it's all been pedestrianized. Just sat down, had a had a nice coffee. Then went and had a nice beer and a nice meal. It was it was almost civilized. It was uh, it was lovely. Oh, amazing! <laughs> it looks very continental there on Bolton Street. See, with Joe Norrie, JP, we've gone from like local Oxford chat to me and me and Gareth here just oh, take yeah. over now and, uh, and chat about all the local landmarks. But yeah, Bolt Bol- Street could be a nice street, really, as far as that goes. I, I, it looked all right. It looked good to me. It, it was that photo with the filter and all that, and at the right angle, it made it look uh, pretty ace. But you know, it was uh, it was still if you turned the other way, there was still bird shit all over the road and chewing gum, and uh, you know, it didn't uh, didn't look quite like what the uh, Instagram picture thought uh, sort of <laughs> said it would look like. But uh, it was uh, it was it was nice all the same. It was just nice to nice to be out and uh, yeah, a bit of a wow. uh, kid free time. Yeah, Good you can keep there. you can keep your fancy street because I'll get a vaccine soon enough. Oh yeah, so you're right like, there, aren't you? Oh, right yeah. on, you're right on the doorstep of Vaccine Central, JP. I'm gonna take a walk down there tomorrow, bang on the door, <laughs> chuck a cup on my way, sort me out. You can drop me in like I'm Ellie from Last of Us Two, which I know means nothing probably to either of you two. And yeah, and I honestly I'll be you know, I'm willing to do that. I don't think it gives you superpowers, which is where I've possibly overthought this. Um <laughs> But apparently they're going to be expanding the test. I'm sure I've had emails about this. Mm. Well, there you go. You could be the first guinea pig. Put yourself forward. You could give us updates on the podcast. I think there's there's money in that. Mm. I've also seen things like the fly and stuff like that before <laughs> where it goes badly wrong. If it goes like limitless, then great. I'm up for using 100% of my brain as, as well as being some COVID fighting warrior. Um, <laughs> Imagine how fast you'd walk up that hill then. God, it'd be amazing. Exactly. Do write a book at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Bit of that. I don't want something that's just going to, like, I don't know, turn me evil. <laughs> I was going to say, speaking of you, I don't ask much. <laughs> was that a segue? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was say, this is worse than when we've got Joey. Like, I, I, I don't even know how I'll bring this on, on track here, JP. Speaking of using mm. 100% of your brain, there's that. There you go. Like, what, what hey. <laughs> you managed to. Uh, you, so, so then you did a very good job on that round table, bringing things. It's hard when you've got a, you've got a man like Will Cooling mm. on the line, and you know, he's a. He's a rogue, is that Will? But I thought, yeah, you, him, uh, Emily, and Steph did a, did a great job on that round table. It's uh, I heard the, uh, the the raw, unedited version that went out. JP, it's a uh, it's a different beast, isn't it? When you uh, when you oh yeah yeah it's, uh... <laughs> yeah you you've kind of got to be on it, really. It was like the closest, in a weird way, to kind of like teaching, 
where you've kind of got to be on it and you've got to be paying attention to everything. And I can't do what we do on this, where we disappear off for a cup of tea. And, uh, you know, but in my case, I tell my sons to go to bed and stuff like that. But on that, you've kind of got to be on it. But it was great. Um, and they were great. It was nice kind of, you know, it's, I kind of, the way I look at it is, is it's their opinions you want to hear. You get to hear mine on this show. So it's kind of really just sort of like moderating it as much as anything. But mm. yeah, it was great. And the amount of stuff that um, Emily, Steph and Will all bring to the table on it, it was fantastic. We sort of really enjoyed um, the debate. So looking to set it up, I'm kind of open to if people have got ideas for this um, mm. and anyone they think would be great guests as well. There's a few people I've, I've sort of contacted about it. But yeah, hoping to get another one up pretty soon. Mm. Oh no, you did an incredible job, mate. I'm, uh, I'm hyped for it. I want to I want to hear the All-Irish Roundtable. That's the one I'm... Uh, oh, I'm it's coming. For. <laughs> my, my, only concern, my only concern is now it's a full-time job listening to you a lot. I know that's yes. like, that's one of the rare treats of like coming on here tonight. It means I don't have to listen to you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've done your work then, haven't you? It's just like Freedom. I'm Freedom listening to a conversation. It's just like yeah. How about I listen to the conversation I had last night? <laughs> to be fair, no, we did a cracking job, JP. I thought it was absolutely fantastic show, and I thought Cheers, it was uh, like I was saying, it was. Um, I think it just felt like really fresh and a bit different and, you know, a bit unique what's out there. A lot of podcasts end up feeling quite the same, but I, I thought you did a did a fantastic job moderating that. I thought all the guests were absolutely uh, absolutely cracking as well. So, yeah, long, uh, long may it continue and looking forward to a few more of them. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like I say, just looking to set up a, a few more. And again, just with the idea of taking a kind of central topic and and, mm. and seeing where it goes and just sort of doing kind of deep dives into a kind of a few issues and hearing a few new voices as well. Um, I get bored of hearing me. So it was kind of, you know, quite interesting hearing me having to shut up for a bit and not ramble <laughs> away. Or to a minimal degree, there was a question I asked Steph and I realised as soon as I asked it, it's like, would she have any idea why I say I sound like Chris Morris asking <laughs> mad Frankie Fraser in Brass Eye something? It was just like, I'd gone... Not that she's like mad Frankie Fraser. Um, well, there's the title of the episode already, JP. You've done it again. That, there, there it is. Yeah, mad Frankie Fraser. I know Joe's got a good few stories about, like, yeah, because he's he's a fool of a man. Is mad Frankie and Steph isn't. <laughs> Keep digging that hole. <laughs> it's Doug, mate. There's no way out. Just gonna have to live say- with it. You got some good kudos from the boss there, JP, so take it. Uh, I would. <laughs> he, I he's, he's in our messages, isn't he, JP, every week, uh, Gareth? Uh, slave driver on uh, on, the, on these podcasts. I should he think just, so as well. When he's... we get the plugs wrong, JP, it's not even worth entering that Facebook chat, is it, honestly? Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I mean, people won't realise whether or not they'll get it, but it's basically like having Alec Baldwin from Glengarry Glen Ross on your case, really, isn't it? <laughs> it's like kicking off. Well, uh, I mean, obviously, you've had to make up the fictional story of Joe being on holiday today because uh, after he didn't realise there was that filter on the app, and you know, I had to uh, yeah. suspend, him, suspend him indefinitely for a few weeks after I super kicked him through a Toby Carberry window. You know, it was a, uh, it was uh, it's a nice smokescreen, a nice cover story you've got there. But let's be, let's be real. If he's not if he's not plugging that app properly, you know, that's when the, uh, the that's when the hard lines come down. Like, 
<laughs> oh, but I, I feel like the best possible plug is for Joe to learn on the air with the rest of us how the app works, and you know, yeah, and we get, get people using it and using that filter. And it is good though on the front page. Yeah, it's a nice little, uh, nice little feature there. <laughs> um, I was gonna say though, yeah, but back to that router with JP. I, I thought like, mm. I mean, it was especially kind of needed on on the day it came mm. out as well. You know, the it was kind of at the height of. The Meltzer uh, Osprey stuff, uh, and it was kind of like it was interesting to hear from people who, who know, you know, uh, and that's I suppose that's a, that's a big point behind the podcast, isn't it? To get experts in their field on, um, and the three of them are very much experts in that that field, the wrestling media. Um, yeah, I thought you had a really interesting conversation about like the the placement of Meltzer uh, when it comes mm. to comes to covering these kind of stories, and yeah, that's a. That is a big one, the Osprey story. Like, I mean, there's a whole load of. If you think you know, speaking out was ending anytime uh, soon. There's been mm. a, a fair amount of uh, maybe updates and different news stories kind of coming out of over the last week. But I thought that was a big one that the, uh, you know, Osprey uh, po- posted on Instagram, wasn't it, that he was uh, outright feeling suicidal. You know, mm. that was not to get. You know, it is a very very serious issue. Um, and I thought you guys kind of covered that really well um, the Melter reaction to it is kind of it, I think his, his impulse is to go straight to do like the, the wrestler point of view mm. um, yeah he's got a I don't know he's got a weird there's a couple of stories like this that I, that I kind of want to mention with Melter where he's just got like this I don't know I think it's maybe it's an inherent bias maybe it's just a it's because of the his role because of you know how close he gets to these subjects and these wrestlers like yeah he's just he's such a it's an enigma in the in the world of wrestling, and, and certainly one that's um, you know he's not he's not above criticism either, which I was glad to hear him uh, get some on that roundtable. Yeah, I mean, I kind of it was interesting coming hearing out because there's three different type of journalists who, who are on there. I mean, Emily does a lot of sort of uh, big big features, and and Steph also does features, but kind of sort of different mediums in the sense of of kind of. Um, where they're coming from, sort of different sort of websites and audiences. Whereas mm. Will is kind of doing the kind of much more sort of heavy news rotation. And it just got me thinking really that wrestling journalism and, and Dave is not a story like this. He hasn't got it within his skill set to be able to cover and mm. cover in that way. And I think I agree with Will when Will said there's no, there would be no shame in him saying, actually, do you know what? This is like a real struggle to cover. So, there's other investigative journalists who are kind of looking into the stories a bit more and they're working on it. And that's how I kind of felt about it. And yet there's the inherent biases and everything else. It's just that I, yeah, like I say, I I don't think he's got the skill set. and a story like this requires empathy Mm. like to, and that's the thing that's kind of missing in so much of it is it feels it's being like the kind of comparisons and stuff kind of get thrown around quite lazily. And like some of the comments don't really feel like he's put any kind of modicum of thought into them and anything Mm. else, because it's a difficult case. Um, I'm reading, I've been reading a couple of books this summer about um, sort of reporting on this. One of them, um, it's a sports book, but it's written by um, an Australian novelist called Alacrina. It's called Night Games. And it's about the whole culture around wrestling and how it's report uh, uh, not wrestling around Australian rules football and the, the kind of culture around that and it's all sort of very very laddish and about how stuff gets excused and and the kind of biases that a lot of the kind of 
hosts of programs and stuff would kind of bring to the table. And, and wrestling's different in that way, um, mm. in that there's a few voices, but they are very influential and they do kind of carry weight. And it feels like if his main source of kind of gathering news is from them, because that's effectively the way that wrestling has been covered, where he has access to the insiders and they tell him certain things, then you're going to have a problem when you hit a story like this, because it's something that goes at the very heart and the very culture of wrestling. Mm. No, totally. And, and that's, that's that you mentioned that the Osprey story is it's messy. You know, mm. and, I think there's a temptation to make it really black and white. Um, and certainly a temptation on Meltzer's side to kind of paint it as black and white. Like, you know, when he was trying to trying to make comparisons to Hanukkah Mora, which is like, for me, that's a... In, anytime you do that, you lose me in wrestling at this point. And we see it all the time, don't we, with, you know, from the most innocuous things from NXT UK criticism to, you know, saying you didn't like a wrestler's match. It feels like, like that is just like the get-out-of-jail cause for... JRKL clause for for a lot of wrestlers and a lot of wrestling people. Like I, I don't see the comparison really between the the two situations. You know, uh, the Hanakamura situation was obviously you know online bullying harassment that led to a really unfortunate um, outcome uh, to do with you know uh, a, 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 a basically a worked scene um, mm. on a reality TV show, and this is more. It's kind of Osprey. I mean, people attempting to hold him to account, and Osprey obviously, you know, struggling with the with the the huge social media backlash that that he's getting from that. Um, yeah, it's it, it's a really difficult one. Again, I don't want to paint it as black and white because I I don't want to be someone who I, I've seen people do that and say, you know, oh, you know, oh, it's probably you know Osprey's just kind of weasel out of the situation, or like I, I think you're onto a loop as soon as you start trying to pretend, trying to start trying to say that like some of these mental health issues or, you know, someone who's out up there and outright saying they were at that low point to the point where they were considering something as, as serious as that, like straight away, I want to take that seriously. And I want to, you know, mm. obviously as a human being, have empathy, you know, for Will Ospreay and, and the situation um, that he's in that you can say is of his, of his own doing uh, in a lot of ways, but it's still not, a, still not a nice thing and still something where, you know, on a, on a human level, obviously, I hope he's all right, um, but it's a really, it's a really, really difficult story because there are so many facets to it. Like, I, I kind of empathise with a little bit with Melter having to cover it. I don't think he's done a particularly good job. Don't get me wrong. I personally, you know, as I've said on this podcast on BWE, I believe Pollyanna. Like, I mean, Pollyanna's story about being blackballed from wrestling, um, and you know the way she believed Osprey treated her. And, you know, everything that happened with her, you know, back to the very serious allegations she made about Scotty Wainwright, like, totally as a human being, I'm like, yeah, you know, people people don't make those types of things up from thin air, I believe Pollyanna. Unfortunately, I think it's from a reporting point of view, and, like, I think Andy Quilden's Q&A on Patreon kind of coloured this as well. It is a hard one to to come down. If you're, If you're trying to investigate this, and investigate this as a, as a serious story, or investigate this as a promoter. Like, I don't actually know what you do. Like, I I don't, I don't know. I I you know emotionally, I want some kind of action. I want you know something to be done. I don't want an Osprey to get away with what's happened with Pollyanna. 
but I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm making sense here, but I, I don't know mm. like what the you know. Again, take the Andy Quill an example. Like I'm one of 22 Patreon subscribers on on his Q and A. So if you haven't heard the the, the Q and A, don't be don't be surprised you haven't heard it. Um, he is going to be doing. Uh, I think he's doing an interview with Will next week, and he's doing a hopefully doing a Q and A with uh, with us on BWE as well, taking fan questions so we can hopefully dig in. But he tried to give like the the Rev Pro point of view on you know why they're not taking action on Osprey, and I don't agree with him, but I could see where where they're coming from, like. This is it's such a complex case. It's was, not as we going mm, to go. I was going to say. I think it's just that, isn't it? Better. I think it's. I think it's because obviously over the past month, two months, whatever the time span has been now, then obviously you've had all this different things come out, all these different allegations, all these things come to light that were previously uncovered, and I think that because there's such a huge spectrum of different you know that, that that spectrum is so broad really of the different things that have been raised and you know going from ones at the apps you know the absolute worst end which are you know very you know obviously easily punishable this person is sacked this person will never work in wrestling again this mm. person and, and, and rightly so that you get something like this where it does become a bit more i don't know there is a there is a little bit more nuance to it and it's it's not as obvious how you are going to punish somebody in that scenario because it's not black and white like you say and 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 i think that's i think that's one of the difficulties in it and that you know i'm looking at the situation you know i'm like you you know very much firmly behind pollyanna looking at the situation with osprey and thinking well well something needs to be done but 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 um, what can, what can be done, and who is the person to do it? Because where where does it where where does the where does the punishment sit up almost? And, and and I think that's one of the that's one of the most difficult things. In that you know you can kind of listen to an Andy Quilden, and you can I don't know you can hear that perspective, and you can you know you can agree with elements of it, you can disagree with other elements of it again, and that just brings more black and white into it. And then I think the same with with us as fans. You know mm. you kind of. I, I, I think mm. you know. I think that's going to be one of the the, the big elements to it. Is that you know is is been judged by I think he's been judged by the fans as much as he's been judged by promoters. You know, people who are going to be booking him on shows, and 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 I think that's where you know a lot of the punishment probably is going to come from. In that you know, there's some people, rightly so, are just going to reject Will Ospreay now, and you know, and they're you know. They're going to hit him in the pocket. They're not going to go to shows that he's booked on. They're not going to buy his merch, et cetera, et cetera. So there will be some kind of like negative financial aspect to him, which as an element of punishment, fine, mm. great kind of thing. He's not, you know, he's not taken up. But is that enough? And how long? How long does that last for? You've got people that I, you know, I think as we as we look at this, you've got how many people just sat outside of Twitter, bu- the Twitter bubble, they're not even on Twitter. The, the, some people are just not even aware of this story, probably, who are watching New Japan and things. They see Will Ospreay on a poster and they're just going to go along to an event and shake his hand and pay to meet him and buy his merch and things. And you're going to have other people like us sat at the other end of the room saying, what the hell's going on here kind of thing. And I, th- I think there's, like, it just sort of, I don't know, it really just emphasizes how difficult you know the Osprey situation is, but even people, even people beyond that, where you know, I don't want to say they're at their low, at the lower end of the spectrum. Certain people's things which have been raised, but they're certainly not at that extreme end, like the allegations against David mm. Starr, for example, or something like that, where it's very clear, you know, mm. what what we need to do about this, this this situation. And yeah, I think that's the problem we face. Yeah, and yeah, 
they are serious allegations, aren't they? That I mean, I, I completely get what you're saying, Gareth. There's, there's serious, there's very serious, there's extremely serious. You mm. know, we're not. I don't think either of us are trying to do down. You know what those allegations no, no, are. Mm. It's hard though, isn't it, JV? Because it's like I, I'm yeah. like Gareth said there. I, I am someone who I want action, but I don't know what action is realistic. Well, it's it's really it's so difficult, isn't it, for this story? I mean, part of the issue is is that what really needs to change within wrestling is that is the culture. The culture is absolutely rotten to the core. And the issue is, is who are the people are going to be figureheads of it after that? And a lot of the kind of behavior that you hear about is stuff from school, frankly. It yeah. really is. Yeah. It's built on childishness. It's built on a murder. It's built on disrespecting and getting heat with people. It is fucking chill, childish shit. Like not an element of professionalism at all. And now all of a sudden it's like everyone's got to pretend to be a grown up. And it's just like, well, you know, you've all operated without these kind of set of rules. So it, it becomes impossible to regulate other than, as Gareth said, fans will make that kind of decision themselves of not to support them. And then there will be a sort of a financial part of that. And it's it's so difficult because, again, sorry to come back to the sort of wrestling journalism size. The way it's reported is very much just based on kind of, he, you know, it, it loves the he said, she said kind mm. of stuff and that kind of battle for it as well. I think the problem is, is that if he comes back in, the message it sends mm. to a certain section of fans is that this guy is the figurehead. Nothing has really changed. And how do we know it's going to be there? Now, it's difficult because you kind of always want to, uh, you know, I'm a person who has said many times and I believe in rehabilitation, but that obviously has to be the kind of punishment bit to kind of get to the point of of the rehabilitation as well. Mm. And so it's difficult. Is it about him kind of not being in the UK for a while when he's in Japan and he just sort of finds himself out on here? It's it's also what are the residual effects is the stuff you mentioned when we, we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, mm. who are the other people who've been kind of affected by this? How deep is the rot? Yeah. And they're not things that we're really ever going to be able to find out. So therefore issuing out punishments on the back of that mm. becomes incredibly difficult. And I'm sorry, it sounds like I'm completely fudging an answer of what to do, but I'll be honest with you. Not I don't know. Yeah. In any other business, you'd be saying things like HR, regulatory bodies, ombudsman. You know, none of that shit exists. Mm. And that's really where you're getting to. And that's all stuff that should have happened at the time as well. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Yeah. I think when you talk about, like, rehabilitation as well there, JP, I think it's Mm. like, I think that, you know, obviously you said there, well, what is it? Is it he goes to Japan and he goes away and Mm. he doesn't get booked anymore and things like that. I mean, to me, I think what I'd be looking for from him is – him to sort of stand up a bit and like grow a set really and like come for, I mean, that, that, that apology that he issued a, a few weeks ago like he will say he thinks in his mind that he apologized but it was just it was all about him wasn't it and it yeah. was all mm. it was it was classic osprey you know i think you know we've i think he's somebody who has been given the benefit of the doubt a huge amount of times in the past for for various things, be it bad tweets, be it getting fans to buy his mum a car, and all yeah. sorts of different activities and actions <laughs> and things like that that he's yeah. that he's done. And it, and it's you know over the years it's been like oh 
silly old young Will. Oh, he's a bit thick, but he's, you know, he's, you know, good old Will kind of thing. And he's all right. And he's a great wrestler and blah, blah, blah. And that doesn't wash anymore. You know, he's, yeah. he's you know, he's, he's growing up. He's, he's, he's not a boy anymore. He's a man who's working all over the world as one of the top people in his profession kind of thing. And like, and then, so now he's in a position where he really should be stepping forward, bringing some kind of genuine apology and, you know, almost like, you know, I don't want to say leading it, but at least playing an active part in it where he's showing that, yeah, I have learned from this situation and okay, Mm. maybe I was immature at the time or I, you know, I I didn't appreciate the full, you know, issues that was coming about as a result of my actions or whatever. But, you know, I'm going to make sure that nothing like this ever happens again. And, you know, I'm going to take take steps forward and I'm going to show that I'm a somebody who at the top of the industry is going to be at the top of the industry for the next decade, you know, barring serious injury or something like that, then he he should be someone who it can be, we can kind of like, okay, where he's learned from his mistakes, we can look up to him and take things forward as opposed to it just being this black cloud in the corner of a dressing room where it's like, hmm, should he even be on the show? And like other people looking up to him and go, oh, well, mm. he got away with it kind of thing. Maybe I can get away with it and, you mm. know, et cetera, et cetera, really. So, you know, I think there's, I think you need to see a, a, a genuine stand from him. And, you know, like Benno says, you know, not going to wash over the mental health aspects. And obviously, you know, you, you, you don't want anybody to do anything, anything stupid, but, if, if he's got the right support networks to him close enough, then maybe this is has to be part of the, if it's genuine, this has to be part of the rehabilitation process that he needs to go. And maybe he's getting a bit of self-awareness and self-realization of what his decisions and actions and things like that can, can lead to. And, you know, hopefully it does come out of the other end, how, how, however quickly it is where, you know, it's a positive for everybody at the end of the day. Yeah, that's it. And the big thing about that is even if he, you know, if he makes that apology, if he, if Pollyanna takes the option to, I think he's tried, I think Andy Coulton was saying that he's tried to meet up with Pollyanna and speak to her directly. It's entirely up to her whether she accepts that or not, you know? Yeah. And if she doesn't accept yeah. that, then I can't argue with that either. You know, there's no, yeah. he's got, got no god given right to forgiveness either um, with this mm. is, the, uh, is the other point as well. Um, but yeah, yeah it, it is. It's a, it's a really murky one. I, I can, I just don't know where this one goes from here. Um it's going to be one to keep an eye on, and hopefully, you know, with having Andy Golden on the on the BWE at some point, we'll be able to push him a little bit uh, in mm. that Q and A. Um, like I say, don't again, not endorsing wholly, you know, his point of view. I'm just saying I can see, you know, that other point of view. I mm. can see, I can see the room, I suppose, for for that other other point of view. But yeah, obviously, all the things like you said there, Gareth, need to be need to be taken care of first there with Osprey. I think. Um, and, and, and I think some, I think something we can't wash over as well is because if this was within the WWE system, I think we'd be we'd be saying certain things if it was somebody who was you know a progress or something like that or yeah, yeah. You, you know ICW or something like that. You know, Andy Kilton's very close to New Japan. He's got a massive investment there. They've got a huge investment in Will Ospreay in terms of how they've pushed him over the over the last couple of year, years as well. So although you say yeah, Andy Q's not his employer. Is not, but a lot mm. of what Andy mm. Quilden's success has been in recent years and he's New going Japan, to be is very, very tied into New Japan. And, mm. you know, again, that's something that, you know, we can't, you know, we can't ignore that he's, he's got, Andy Quilden's got that in the back of his, in the back of his head, or it's, it, it's an influence there on, on, on him as well. And, you know, it's, 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 it's something that, um, you know, we need to, we need to factor, factor in on, on, on that as well, because, you know, Rev Pro's decisions might not necessarily be as mm. 
innocent and straightforward has been we're just one promotion standing alone doing that you know i i know i know you guys would be given be given pelters if it was somebody you know from yeah linked to wwe through progress or through icw or something like that yeah, you know sure. I, I, yeah I think, absolutely I think the same the same logic applies with new japan yeah the same as apply what? both ways he's probably that that's the thing of that that side sneaking in isn't it that he's thinking oh this isn't this isn't the hill to die on type of thing with, with that new japan relationship but no mm. that's totally a a point well made there that yeah that that doesn't doesn't excuse things entirely does it jp no and although i don't have any faith like if the story was mainstream mm. at that point i could see actions from new japan it's very hard to see them kind of acting on this and they will they will happily kind of live within a bubble because they're not having to travel over here anytime soon and the kind of those kind of decisions are taken out of their hand. They can just sort of produce the content that they want to do. Um, yeah, it's murky as fuck. Mm. This this story it really is, um, and it and it becomes difficult because yeah, like a lot of the stuff that that you guys have have kind of said before, it it's where you go from there. And I think this is some of the stuff that at least the fact that. Andy Quilden's putting himself in difficult positions by doing, you know, Will's not exactly going to ask him softballs. It's not Mm. Fox News to Donald Trump, is it? Um, Although this weekend they fucking turned it up a notch, I'll say that much. And it would be the same thing on BWE. Mm. You know, that's, it's not going to be a case of like kind of easy softball questions. So (laughs) I, and he's putting himself into that kind of firing line. I just, you know, yeah, it's it's kind of what happens from here and it's the kind of actions from it. But then we also hear of stuff that goes on behind the scenes as well at the same time. And then you think, well, what exactly is happening overall? Like, I, and these are things that are only going to become apparent. I'm sorry, none of that feels like it makes any sense whatsoever, which possibly says how I feel about the story at this stage. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it is a mindfuck, isn't it? Um, it's... It is. It's a hard one. I mean, I was going to mention as well, like the other the other thing that came out this week. The uh, I assume none of you sat there and watched Joey Ryan's fifty eight minute video that he put on YouTube just to give you more bright news. My fucking hell! I watch I watch bits of it. Just like, honestly, God, like he just he couldn't come across where if it takes fifty eight minutes for you to do your apology video and go through the the eighteen nineteen allegations against you, I think that. That kind of tells you something, didn't it? He couldn't like, he could not have come come across. This is just my personal opinion. Any creepier in that video? Like, uh, <laughs> he looked positively evil. Oh, he did. He did. Like that is that. That's not the way <laughs> to, to to borrow a quote. Like a it's... Netflix sociopath. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, that that is it. Like <sighs> from something like you, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think he probably thought because you know this is the thing when, when people make allegations and i've said this on a couple of podcasts now people don't tend people don't make things up out of thin air at least not on the Mm. on the rate that like some would like to believe especially some in the media like we just talked about earlier people maybe do emphasize and minimize different things in stories when they tell that you know that their side of the story and i think he probably thought oh you know i can tell my side of the story in a couple of these incidents where maybe you know some of his shitty screenshot evidence maybe paints a different picture than the story that's been told about him but to not have like the pers- like the the awareness of like how 
you would come across in an hour video like this where he's like him himself you know again talking about minimizing things he's trying to you know minimize like well i was on the road and i was trying to uh, you know I, I might have invaded personal space a couple of times but and like he just moves on to the next story and it's like yeah i don't think you realize what you're what you're admitting in there too like mm. that was just an absolute shit show of a of a thing it it dropped whilst i think it was while slammer bear she was on on saturday night so hopefully people watch that rather than sat there and watch this this full hour thing but yeah like uh joey ryan has got to be done in this business there's just there's no route back for me i'm sure there are people on his patreon and replying to this video going i'll see uh, i'm glad i backed you joey and cheering him on but if you're one of them people i think you probably need to have a with yourself at this point yeah absolutely i i i think i clicked onto a bit and he was trying to explain his way out of a situation by basically saying he was having sex with a fan somewhere else at that time so it couldn't have happened and he just sort of and i was just like what the fuck is this when i saw it and it's the problem with all of these videos and maybe it's just me it's just like oh i can work my way out of this Mm. literally work my way out of it it's Mm. like no because you all come across them as as sociopaths Mm. it's how i felt when i saw the matt riddle video and i just saw i saw that and and he's just like yeah this just I'm not going to go massively into detail, but I know for me and uh, you know, it just all reeked of bullshit mm. really at that stage. And I was like, right. Yeah, I'm done. Um, and that's how it, you know, there's the fact that it could even be entertained to have him back on shows. And what worries me about this is this is what worries me about the U S Indies in particular, because if we think, you know, British wrestling for what it for what it is at the moment. It's obviously a very small island, and it's a lot of the same people kind of work working up and down the country. So all of those kind of relationships are going to be fractured. But in the US, you can exist in a bubble. Shows that aren't online that are going to be on locally, and someone will think he could bring in a hundred people, and he'll do whatever, and he'll sound all very redemptive. And that's the scary. That's the really scary side of this. Mm. Um, is, and this is where we get sort of beyond, like, where does all of this go? What are the ramifications? And I fear that for a long time, wrestling has been this place where you can just basically be whatever kind of deviant you want to be. And you can hide through the cracks and no one says anything because it's a murder and it's all built on the word of the boys and everything else. And, you know, you look at the situation with him, you look at what he was getting people to do in terms of groping his dick at mm. bloody fan events and all the rest of it. And you say all it, and it's amazing because you think what kind of cognitive dissonance did we all have when this was going on? Mm. It's not something I would ever fucking do, but you just kind of, you're not horrified. I'm saying not, it's awful, but at the same time, when you hear about it, you're not surprised because it's wrestling. Yeah. And you think, yeah, of course someone's doing it. And that's possibly for me why it never ends up hitting the mainstream levels that we would all love to do it because mm. it's this kind of shady shit mm. that I need to cut out for good. Otherwise it'll always be thought of as fucking sketchy. Totally. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't watch his video. Like as, Don't mate, know, it's not worth it. I wasn't, I, I wasn't going to give him the time of day, you know, I don't, you know, is, you know, I don't sit there, listen to him, try and squirm his way out of something, you know, I, watched uh, you know i think the point you're making there you know they're just living this little bubble of thinking they think it's it's all 
I don't know. They, they think it's all a work. They think they can just talk their way out of it. You know yeah, that Mike Quackenbush one, all produced mm. and in his oh, little suit and all that and things. And you oh. know the way Riddle addressed that, and you're just thinking like, get in the real world kind of thing. You know, I, I think they genuinely, genuinely think that they can just bypass it, and probably because their experience in the business for so many years has taught them, well, yeah, you can actually, because look at all these various people who've done all these acts, you know, mm. going back however many years, you know, we, you, you can rattle off names going back to the Attitude Era beyond. We all know the stories about everybody and things like that mm. and people convicted of stuff and things like that. And uh, they still, you know, they, they, they still get booked. It all washes away. And, you know, they, you know, they, they, they come back and, there probably is an element of some of these guys who've done some of the worst things here. They think, oh, leave it, leave it three months, leave it five months, leave it a year, I'll be back, I'll be all right kind of thing. And, and I just think it's important that, again, while there's no sort of like central overseeing body that um, can stop that from happening, I just think it's a message that we just have to keep out there as fans and as, you know, as, as people... I don't want to say like you guys, you know, media podcasts and things like mm. that. Just make sure that it's something that's still front of mind in three months, six months, one year, two years and things. It should never go away. It should show that, you know, that, that you can't let it wash past you and things. And we have to we have to make sure that it, it, it doesn't happen again. And, you know, and because, you know, the idea that he could have the number of allegations that he has against him and he's going to sit there for an hour and try and like, talk his way out of it you're like come on mate fucking get real <laughs> you yeah, know it's absolutely yeah. ridiculous you know just get out of the industry and you know fuck off and hopefully he's going to get you know hopefully with the allegations against him he's they'll be you know taken further and it'll be you know legal issues and things mm -hmm. like that that he's, he's dealing with not trying to chat his way back onto a show totally and that, that's the thing about holding these people to account as well it's like the the rep pro thing we mentioned before i was glad to see that they put out like this statement about how oh we're gonna uh, all our, all of their covid kind of safety stuff and it was like a two-page thing about how they were gonna you know hopefully safely run shows and come back in december and all of that and it was like mm, feel like there's you know there's a big issue here that maybe should be given front and center right now and i was glad to see, see people call rev pro out on that and i know they said they were gonna they were gonna you know put out safeguard and stuff later but that's the stuff i think for the lack of anything else holding these people mm. to account i think it is on fans and and media and such it's like that truff wrestling debacle that happened last this last week like that was just uh, that if, if people Ooh. didn't see this was how would you describe them, JP? They were like a not even a parliamentary thing, was it? Truff wrestling. It was like a no, like a, I have no idea what it was. It was like a press release, wasn't it? Of we are we are going to consult with different people in the industry and be like a body that's gonna put ourselves in the middle and protect wrestling. And it like honestly, like if you're not engaged in Twitter, it was like what was it like a three hour three hour period from the announcement of Truff wrestling to the burnout of Truff wrestling because. One of the main people behind it, um, their PR person, is somebody who's vocally defended Bubblegum, who's got allegations against him of of uh, sexual misconduct with 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 uh, with younger uh, trainees. Um, that came out. All the terrible things she said uh, came out, and then all of, all of a sudden, people are already resigning. And it was just like it felt like one of those things where you know this this was people from inside the wrestling industry trying to trying to maybe take control and put their stamp on this where I do think you need people from inside the wrestling bubble involved but like it was a it was a great warning 
shot, I think, and a warning sign of you can't rely on on wrestling people to to come in and, and clean things up because yeah. a lot of wrestling people, you know, have um, have all got have got skeletons in the closet. That that was kind of the lesson we learned from it. I don't even I still don't know what it was, JP. What was trust wrestling? What was it supposed to be? Like if it even still exists now? I I have absolutely no idea. Like even just trying to think what it was. It was a Twitter feed. I think it was that that just sort of died a death. Yeah. And part of the issue they have at the moment is this stuff. How is it going to be announced? It's going to be announced on social media. That's where the active fans are. They're the ones who are going to be looking into it. And it just seemed like an absolute shit show mm-hmm. from people. A lot of people seem to assume safeguarding is just a word and say, yeah, I'll do safeguarding. Mm-hmm. Well, that's safeguarding sorted then. Mm-hmm. It's like, no. I think you have to actually look at what safeguarding is and you're just not convinced by it. And it's, and it's either thrown in a direction to, Oh, look, we've got a couple of women here. They're going to do it for us. Mm. And it just, and it becomes like just passing the buck. And it's just, and it's like, there's no one with any real forethought who's gone into it. And I know all we always end up, bigging them up but riptide just in saying do you know what we just need to, to kind of make sense of the whole situation and you're like yeah that's kind of how it how it should be for a while so they're all coming back because they all think we can come back and it's sorry to steal this from jeff goldblum in jurassic park but rather than thinking whether they could they really should think of whether they should <laughs> and if they're not careful they're going to be metaphorically eaten on the fucking toilet, aren't they? <laughs> I mean, I think I, th- I think I'm just like looking at that press release now, and it said, you know, the the group are liaising with the new wrestling all parliamentary party group, mm. you know, um, and you know, looking uh, been advised by um, domestic violence assist, social work England, equity, and others, you know, so. Yeah. At a face value level, when you first look at that press release and things like that, it sounds like, okay, you know, kind of, you know, they're the types of people that, you know, should be involved in this process. Mm. And when we talk about people who are like, who are the people who are going to govern the British wrestling scene and things like that? And a lot of those, you know, very kind of obviously professional bodies, parliamentary bodies and things like that, you know, they're the people that we need to be sitting up and, 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 and listening to and getting in involved and but i mean i think i think it's that it's that it's getting that balance because i don't think it i mean from my personal view i don't think it's right to reject people who come from within the wrestling mm, industry agreed, yeah. outright i think there needs to be an involvement there i think you just need to make sure that the right person's involved may you say people in wrestling have got skeletons in the closet people in any walk of life have That's got skeletons true. in their closet that can be picked up on as well and you know i think one of the issues i've i've you know generally thought in the last few weeks is obviously it's pegged as professional wrestling but in reality it's you know there's a certain level within our chosen area of interest that is professional kind of thing but the vast majority of it is hobbyist be it you know Sunday somebody who's working yeah, you know, yeah, somebody yeah. at the weekend who works in a call centre all week and he works, you know, works on a Friday night and a Saturday night and, you know, you know, for whatever he does and he's a superstar for two days and people <laughs> buy his merch and things like that. And it's, you know, and it, it, a lot of it applies to people getting involved and running things as well. And it becomes very much kind of, I don't know, enthusiasm and desire to be involved kind of over mm. professional people and you end up with sort of 
square pegs and round holes, don't you? So I'm the person who understands about, I don't know, equality. Or I'm the person who understands about the legal matters or safeguarding and things like that. And, you know, they're probably not the right person for the job. They're not the sort of person that you'd want to be hanging an issue as seriously as this on the back of. And for me, it's more about kind of getting the right people. And, and with that, I think as much involvement as you can get from those third party bodies who are professional and they do know their stuff. And mm. if they can get involved and see the right picture and some of them are going to need to be kind of guided in by appropriate people from within wrestling, then, then that's, 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 that's fine. But, you know, I think, you know, I, th- I think it's trying to ensure that there's a single channel for it for, because obviously, I mean, I saw something today, Sierra Loxton had obviously been speaking with that all parliamentary, parliamentary yeah. group as well. Mm. It's like that. And you think, well, how many strands is this coming at? You know, there needs mm. to be some element of, of unity somewhere kind of thing. Yeah, it's one of the interesting things. I'm hoping to have an interview with one of the co-chairs of the all um, party right, parliamentary yeah. group um, to actually ask them a lot of this stuff in terms of what teeth does it actually have? What teeth could it potentially have? And how will that come into place? And there's lots of really like important stuff around it. I also heard someone else say that it would be, I'm not saying you necessarily need to speak to historians per se, but reaching out to someone like a John Lister, who has mm-hmm. like a kind of really detailed knowledge of certainly how wrestling has been run at various points and, and, and maybe possibly advice. I'm not saying something he should be signed up for, but um, there are lots of potentially very good people that they, that they can go to. And I think like Gareth said, that there's, there's this stuff happening behind the scenes as well. Um, and you just want the momentum to be there. And I yeah. suppose that's like we said earlier on, that's kind of part of what our job is, is to make sure that it's still out there mm. and to, to remind people this isn't something that we're all kind of just going to let go because wrestling, no, <laughs> not going to do that. Yeah. I, th- I think as well as there's, there's this danger as well of right now, we're all so disgusted with mm. everything, you know, where you're saying, you know, you know, we've spoken about it separately, the way that you felt has been, just about wrestling in general and things like that over, yep. over the last few weeks and months has just been absolutely on, you know, on the, on, on the floor. And I think, I think something that we need to almost, you know, we, we're, we almost like want full change now kind of thing. We want something done and we want it now and we want it done tomorrow kind of thing. And I, and I think that's a, a natural reaction to want that kind of like immediacy and have things sorted out so we can, we can move on. And it's, and what, I think what we need to be careful of, though, is that these things take take time to change. And like you referenced culture before, JP, mm. and you know how long it takes in societies, businesses, organisations, whatever, for for culture to change. It's it's a long process and it's hard work and things. And and then as much as we want perfection immediately, kind of thing, and have things eradicated, you're not going to get perfection from day one. You're never going to get perfection kind of, along the way, but. So we need to have that kind of like realism that this is going to take a bit of time and it's not just a quick fix and put out a, you know, a PR notice and it's, you know, we're doing, you know, we're introducing this or we've employed this person as our safeguarding officer or something like that. And, and as fans, we need to be patient as well and kind of give that the opportunity to, to develop. And, you know, I think that's, for me, it's about 
the positive aspect of things like this is that at least something is happening now mm. to improve the situation. Whereas let's go back 12 months, nothing was happening at all. And this was just going on behind the scenes and there was nothing there to, to stop it or think about it or put it on the agenda and things like that. And I think, you know, you know, we kind of have to accept that there, there are going to be some things that go wrong. There are going to be some things that aren't quite right and things like that. But if it, it's if we're if we're if, if we're improving today compared to where we were a year, a year ago, you just have to maintain that momentum. And you know, mm. in twelve months it'll be better. In two years it'll be better, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then we can work towards that thing that the next fourteen-year-old Will Osprey who comes through some local gym. He's coming through a process that's correct. He's not seeing his elders trying it on with the first lady that, you know, our first girl that comes through the door or something like that. There's not this kind of like culture of, you know, in relation to women that we've had previously. There's not this culture of, okay, you can just get away with it and the boys will look after you and things. And, and that is, you know, unfortunately, that's going to that's gonna take take time to filter through as well, really. So, you know, I just th- I think as, as long as we can kind of do that. And, and, and I think a big part as well is there, in wrestling, there's that, there's almost that kind of like, um, ha-ha, when something fails, everyone wants to be Nelson Muntz, you know, kind of thing. And true. it's like, uh, and, you know, something like this comes out. You know, I, I've got and no idea. And it was idea. funny. <laughs> you know. Maybe I'll pass the problem not, there. <laughs> yeah, I've, got, I've, got, I've got no idea on who these people are from trust or any of these other things and things like that. But there sure. is that thing, the first sign of failure, like, point the finger, point the blame, laugh at them. Same with like, I don't know, progress, trying to make a change. And then obviously Michael Oku's situation, suddenly 24 hours, that's changed as well mm. and things like that. And I think, I don't know, there, there needs to be that that element as well of that we can't just there to, to shit on stuff as well when mm. possibly that probably there are a certain percentage of people out there that are giving up their time, giving up money and things like that to try and actively do something about this that some people are out there aren't doing. And we kind of have to accept there's going to be failings along the way and, you know, enable, enable us to get there. Sorry, I'm no, banging up. No, you're totally <laughs> right though. Cause I think the, the wise thing, words, the thing about trust is like the, and, and things like this in general is you would like to think the people behind it who are trying to put it together, you know, their motives were, you know, good motives, you know, at least, you know, you could probably say that overwhelmingly for the majority of the people involved. Um, and it just, yeah, obviously hasn't worked out um, whether they take a step back and, and take on board some of the criticism they do and, and come back with a regroup with another plan might be one thing. But like, to be honest, when when I first saw it, when I saw that, like, was it, I can't remember what, what newspaper first put the, the, the press release out, I was like, oh, this is a positive, this is interesting, at least we're getting something substantive, and a lot of that hope kind of dissipated over the next three <laughs> hours or so, but I do get what you're saying, because this, plus the cross-parliamentary thing, are both, you know, the cross-parliamentary thing especially feels like something a bit more concrete that's got potential to, you know, to do the right things, and I think a big thing here is going to be, and I think you both touched on it, the, 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 I think the immediate reaction to something like trust kind of at least crashing and burning from a PR point of view with their launch is going to be, ah, oh, let's just bin off all the wrestling people. And I get that mm. feeling. I've had that feeling. I've gone, ah, these people probably aren't appropriate for this. But I think you are going to, I think that the, the, the truth of it is, is you're going to need bits of both, aren't you? Because if you just came in purely with, you know, like you say, J- JP. You know the the people from you know, you know, a, a Labour MP and a Conservative MP who don't know anything about wrestling. Chances are, with this carny fucking business, they're gonna get worked anyway. 
And if someone from the outside comes in with all these great intentions into this fucking sordid, shitty business, like what's gonna happen? Yeah, you do need those. Yeah. You know, you also do need like the the wrestling voices. You know, in some form too. Um, and yeah, it might turn out that like the the solution we get is gonna be an imperfect solution because yeah, obviously the ideal is like there's a wrestling council and you know, not like the Alex Shane wrestling council, but a proper one <laughs> <laughs> where like you know you have to go through your your local social services or whatever you get badges it's all dealt with professionally and there's you know the schools are all part of like the this one big you know body looking after it and all the proper checks are done and stuff but realistically it's probably going to be something more in the middle isn't it it's going to be something maybe pushed for change by people on the inside pushed from you know external pressure um like you say from you know this uh this cross-party idea as well and you know we might end up getting you know, something that maybe isn't perfect, but is something at least that's there, and it's not, you know, completely uh, unaddressed and, and left as the uh, the wild west that it is. Even if yeah, we can probably all say there's always going to be something of that element when you get into, uh, especially Britain, especially the country where we're, all, we're mm-hmm. all in with the uh, with the Sunday League nature of uh, some of our wrestling <laughs> uh, our wrestling companies. Well. With that said, should we move on to something a bit more exciting? I, I don't know, a, a bit more like upbeat. Somebody getting their eye pulled out. I don't know if that's where, where you guys want to go next. Or... <laughs> oh, Extreme rules. There's a whole swathe of stuff that we could cover. We could talk Slammiversary. We could we could catch up on New Japan. I, f- I feel oh, yeah. like I feel like Gareth having to stay up last night for Extreme Rules is kind of the lead story here. But I don't know. What, what, what do you guys want to talk about most? Um, I will mention Extreme Rules because I've just said I, and it feels like I wouldn't do it as well. <laughs> fucking uh, yeah, uh, it, it's it's a it's a fucking it's horrible. Just the whole <laughs> product is horrible. Yep, just this neon hell with these video game characters as the fans just raising their hands and banging on the plexiglass. I so much, JP. Oh. I can't. It's like hell. I think Shotzi Black, Blackheart, I just assumed she had some ecstasy at some point, but she just started dancing around. <laughs> I went, fuck it. Why not? I wouldn't blame you. You're already in a state of a quite extreme danger as it is with it, this fucking, sh- like, the with covid running rampage through florida you might as well be off your tits spinning around <laughs> wondering what the hell's going on so bad it's so bad and even the stuff is the best level is that's all right and there was something i was enjoying in terms of Asker sasha banks that just gets completely ruined by the booking i think i've heard it described as this is the worst show have actually had good wrestling on it which is true at points um it really is it's it's just a reminder of this is why it is not worth investing any time effort or money into this company it really <laughs> is it, it just reminded sorry i've channeled my inner joe here but like i can't res- like it 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 was awful and i wasn't even paying that much attention and even i could tell it was awful and it yeah Discuss. <laughs> <laughs> was there a runaway success on the grapple after uh, Gareth there? What have, have you noticed that? Has there been like less engagement maybe during like lo- lockdown and during kind of this empty arena kind of wrestling? Do you notice that? Just generally. Mm. Yeah, yeah. 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 Y
Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, I've seen the engagement with WWE just fall away, you know, so much over the last, you know, to, to over the since Grapple started, basically, you know, and it, and it, it obviously coincides with a massive slump in the in in TV ratings and things like that. And I think just general general interest in in the product. I mean, so much so that like. You know, I, I just forgot to even put SmackDown on the app for about four days the other day, and no one even raised it with me at all. And you know, it's probably you know, like you know, no one even noticed. And, and you know, it's just one of those, one of those things. And you know, I look at the numbers that we've got come through for like Slammiversary, and there's you know, there's more people rating Slammiversary than you know NXT, for example, and things like that. You know, sort of thing. So it's it's and and that's you know in a, a very short time period. But you know, I think I'm generally getting the feeling that overall people have um people have just not been as watching as certainly not watching as much wwe certainly probably not watching as much broader wrestling and and and, and rating it because mm. when something is good the numbers that we get on the app are good and they're consistent and in some ways higher than what we were getting 12 months ago and things like that so it shows that when there is a big event or there is something that's important or good people are going to watch it and people are going to rate it and things like that on the app whereas you know there's there's clearly just a lot there that's just washing over people and they just don't, don't give a shit about watching and you know and we'll see what happens with those you know when eventually we do get crowds back and things whether these people bounce back or suddenly they realize you know what think about what I've been doing with these six, seven hours that I've suddenly got in my week because I don't watch Raw and SmackDown anymore or watch the pay-per-view or whatever. And, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see. I really think the disconnect is there. And this show feels like kind of like, because you hear about the falling TV ratings, but obviously I don't watch Raw and SmackDown and have no intention to certainly not after this yeah. i you're can't never, imagine anything that covered worse. on this podcast ijp we're never going to be no. roaring smackdown we'll we'll jump in every now and then when there's a notable pay-per-view but we're not reviewing Raw and smackdown it's not happening i mean like if people said like is a thousand pounds watch an episode <laughs> of raw i'll each, watch it each like to be fair each yeah <laughs> not 333 pounds no um <laughs> Then and even then, I would hate every second. Of it. I'd just be thinking, hundred pounds an hour, hundred pounds an hour. Um, it, it just, it, but the disconnect is there, just from the presentation through to the the kind of storytelling. The overall booking's gone to shit. I just kept on thinking, this is WCW two thousand, just without all the shoot references. It's Russo without the shoot stuff, which might in some way be interesting if Rey Mysterio starts coming out and bollocks Vince McMahon over the storyline, we have to pretend to have his eye written out mm. at least because at the moment it's, it's campy, but there's no kind of kitsch charm to this at all. It's not as silly and overblown as wrestling can be, but there's, it's very charmless and it's very anemic and the storylines are very obvious. And it just feels like, it's it, everything is just relying on the kind of gimmickry and just like we've got this fox money they're not going to do anything about it we're providing shows we're living up to our end of the deal this is how it is but i i can't the people they're losing i don't see coming back i wonder if wrestling will hit two million again hmm. like as a tv product because where it is where this product is is so far behind the times it really is it is so regressive like one of the things that um steph and emily pratt were talking about on the round table is parts of the sort of new japan characterization and the stuff they do 
um, to make it appealing. And Will also then brought up about the fact about Hiromu mm. and about he's not there for the kind of straight male gaze, which in essence is interesting to us as straight white men. It, it, it becomes something different than what we're used to kind of seeing. But WWE, it's it just feels everyone talks in the same way. Everyone falls these patterns. And I'm glossing over even more than I can do. And my eyes are a fucking skating rink at this stage. <laughs> I can't take in any of this shit. And like Shane, sorry, one, just something to mention about Seth Rollins. Talk about Shane McMahon as being the best bad wrestler in the world. Is Seth Rollins the worst good wrestler? <laughs> you know what there's an argument for that because he's always been someone ever since like the ROH days where I've been like I can see the appeal he's like a you know he, he seems like he should be my type of thing especially back then you know he's like the the young cool well not even cool really but like work rate guy who can go who can who does his matches at a certain pace and then literally for how long the last 13 years I've, I've just never been pulled into one of those matches like that's just that's just Seth Rollins. I think that sums him up, to be honest. I think, yeah, he's, he is. He, like, what was the last great Seth Rollins match? Like, I, I can't even say what it might be. I liked his match with Orton at that Mania in the opener. Oh, with the That might be the, the only WrestleMania I liked because I thought that was the best Randy Orton match I've seen in a while. <laughs> and it was a reasonably decent opener. And they had with the bit with him coming out, cashing in money in the bank, which was a great moment. Yeah. yeah That's he... it. All downhill from there. <sighs> I mean, I just, everything just feels entirely just like inconsequential. It just, just nothing matters. And I think that's where I'm just lost with it is there's, there's just, there is just zero point in investing in something else because it's like, right, one pay-per-view is out of the way and it's like, right, reboot kind of thing. Everything that you've just watched in the last month, forget about that because that's all gone now. And it's like, we're now on a four week road to the, to the next pay-per-view and like suddenly people are suddenly who's been losing on TV for 10 months could have one win and suddenly it's, oh, they're back in the picture kind of thing. And no, they're getting a world title shot at the end of the month and things. And there's no logic to anything. There's no, there's that sort of just element of just total fluidity that anything can, can happen for no apparent reason. Somebody's a heel one week and suddenly a fortnight later they're a face and there's been nothing to happen to of any consequence that's, that, that's made it happen. And like, why invest your time when, when they can't be bothered to invest the time in, writing things seriously and planning things seriously, then why invest your time in something that even the people producing it don't even take seriously sort of thing? So I don't know. I'm just, it's just definitely a sense of, it's definitely a duty watch for me when I'm sitting up putting it on the, on the, uh, on the app. I mean, for, I mean, that, I, I find with that Seth Rollins point that you were making there, Benno, I, I, I sort of like, I feel a bit the same with him really almost that he, he looks like somebody who I, I should like like he, yeah. he like he can do things he can you know he's got a good look about him and things like that but i just think that the problem with him is is he that he the man the person just is not cool kind of thing and he's yeah. just got no idea how to connect in the right way he's got no idea how to talk to people in a certain way to project himself to position himself within the the character that he is As and things like that i just don't he gets it mm. it's been the same like when he's been a fate like i remember thinking as, you know, when he, like, he was like the top heel during the authority era, thinking, ah, he's, he shouldn't be a heel, he should be a babyface. And then when he's a babyface, you're like, ah, he shouldn't be a babyface, he should be a heel. <laughs> it's yeah. like, he's just, he just doesn't, 
fit. He just doesn't work for me. Yeah, that's the that's the weird thing about him. Like like this this Rey Mysterio match. You know, it was a. I, I watched it basically last night. I, I, I was up. I was in bed. I had my laptop on, and I heard people saying the eye extraction match was coming up. So I was like, okay, fine. Fine, I'll put it on. So maybe maybe it's worked in that regard because that seems to be what they're doing, doesn't it? They're like literally going for extreme silly ideas in the hope that like people people tune in to to kind of, for that what the fuck volume is kind of what they're after. But like it's gonna be the Laura Dimension returns because then you do tune in, and it's like Seth and Ray just went out there and wrestled a perfectly good three odd star wrestler match. Mm. But then there was the side. But but then there was the side. Oh yeah, by the way, the, the 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 whole point of this match, you've got to take the person's eye out. And the match didn't. That's another thing with Seth Rollins. The match didn't really feel like it fit that step. It didn't feel like like this is a step where if you told me in like the eighties there was like a there was a take the opponent's eye out match with like a couple of like hard nosed lads like you could imagine like a you know like that being the culmination of the Tully Blanchard Magnum TA feud or something you go that's yeah. fucking silly but I could see them going for it and like you know literally digging each other in the eye and like being a full on fist fight and scrappy and brawly this was just a WWE match it, they didn't even go like the full you know quote unquote cinematic wrestling route with it they just threw Seth and Ray out there who kind of in a way, kind of worked against the stipulation. They just went out there and they had a, a decent enough match, injected the, the eye stuff when it felt like they kind of had to, and then we got the silly finish at the end. It was like, I don't even think this delivered on on being the silly thing that like they, they were using to, to get eyeballs in the first place either, so it felt like a fail there too. Yeah, it was. Uh, Go on, JP. Oh, sorry. I, I, it, it did feel like a fight. I, and I completely agree with you. There is some good wrestling in there. If, and obviously the stipulations say working around it, we just have to start working on the eye. Hmm. And they're kind of fine with it. And at the end of it, everyone acts disgusted. And it's like, what the fuck did you expect to happen? Hmm. You've literally been plugging this as an eye for an eye. And you, you act horrified when the eye comes out. And Seth Rollins does. And you're just sort of thinking, on any logical level, this doesn't work. And then I just kept on thinking, this is Vince in early 90s WWF mode, mm. where tonally he is off the, the reservation. He doesn't understand stuff. He doesn't understand the audiences. He doesn't understand characterizations. And then he kind of has to be dragged kicking and screaming into the kind of mid-90s when his back's up against the wall. Here, though, like it's just done. It's like what happens from here? And they tried to give some reason later on in the show for it with the eye stuff, which looked clearly like he's just holding a joke shop eyeball. No. <laughs> and then Seth Rollins pukes. And I'm sitting there going, Oh, I'm embarrassed to watch this now. This is shit. Uh, my son next to me. And at that point, I went, I'm doing the fucking hill walk now because I can't be dealing <laughs> with this bollocks. Um, it was, it, it's, it's, it's just why it's so desperate and it's just like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And it's just throwing shit up against the wall and you're hoping something sticks. But all that ends up happening is you just erode the audience and WCW taught what can happen when you really start to disregard your audience and what your audience thinks of storytelling and what they're kind of expecting to get from wrestling. 
because yeah this might have a bit of hitch appeal to those 50 year old hardcores who ain't leaving for love and the money you know and will be there through nuclear holocaust wondering why the performance center isn't open but once you get past them it's just diminishing returns because it's just shit and it's bad storytelling and whatever wrestling you do around it just can't mask it i think i went to 2.25 because i appreciated the effort right i think i'm the I think I'm the high man on this one. Um, I was actually enjoying the match as, um, I don't know, you clearly might find it hard to believe. I, I, <laughs> I thought the way it was, I think I've like... On well, an quite... unrelated note, cocaine's quite strong these days. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Whatever gets you to the night, Jeffrey. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine you in those 90s clubs, JP, but let's say no more. Hey, that's a, that's a whole different podcast. <laughs> But, um, yeah, no, I was on uh, I was on WWE crack last night, uh, clearly. Um, but um, Bad yeah, shit. <laughs> I think I've been um, I've been critical about Rollins in the past about like his aggression and not believing it, and especially working heel. But like, I, I don't know. I thought like I thought he was aggressive last night, and I did think he was like going after the eye quite early and things like that. And uh, yeah, you had the hokey bollocks in there where he was like. I'm going to get that eye, I'm going to get that eye, and things like that. And you were just like, oh, God, shut up, kind of thing. Like, it just sounded so terrible. But I think the way it worked, and then when Mysterio was, he was getting, like, accidental stuff in, like, Rollins would accidentally catch his eye on the corner of the announcer's table and things like that. I thought it was, like, set up quite nice that it was, like, the heel was intentionally going for it, and then Rey Mysterio was sort of, he was getting put in them, he was putting him in them positions by, you know, doing things a bit differently. And so I quite enjoyed that. And like at times I did kind of, I don't know, just drift into the match. But then obviously then you've just got that big halo hanging over it of like, oh my God, this, you're like, what's the finish going to be here? And how are they going to work this in? And this is just going to ruin everything. And obviously, you know, you, you said joke shop eye, JP kind of thing. And that's just, ex- <laughs> you know, that's exactly what it looked like. It just looked ridiculous. I think I tweeted out last night that they should have gone for the beefcake Ron Bass thing from like SummerSlam 88 when beefcake was supposed to take on the Honk Top Man and they put like the big red X over yeah. the oh, yes. screen where he'd like gone for his head with the spur. And I was thinking, that's the way to do it. Not a fucking joke shop eye. Leave a bit to the imagination you know mm. leave, you know what's happened there kind of thing and you know that builds a little bit of kind of intrigue and drama but obviously you know they have to fucking hit you with it with a sledgehammer slap it in the middle of the nose kind of thing and you know there's there's no subtlety at all in the way they produce their product so you know as much as i enjoyed the match to that point i'm not going to sit here and say yeah yeah it was a really good match because the fuck the finish obviously with the way that they mm. they presented that and it just makes you think that they're a joke yeah like i i, I gave it three stars like i i wouldn't say it was a bad match quote-unquote it was just the gimmick stuff that didn't work for me and yeah you know point taken about you know uh, i suppose rollins showing a a bit more intensity than normal it was just i suppose i just couldn't get into that that the, the story being you've got to take the other man's eye out and like 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 you said there that the to be honest i didn't I think I think the finish was subtle but only subtle because they shot it so badly like that was the other thing it was like We've all seen the image of Rey Mysterio like holding his eyeball, and we all heard the commentary. 
but it just wasn't done very well. And it was just like, it was a wet fart, wasn't it, at the end of it all? It was like, if anything, I think I might have respected them more if they went the whole hog and got like the, did like a whole cinematic production and CGI'd in like an eye in there rather than, you know, yeah, going with the, with Rey Mysterio with a, with a gobstopper in his hand and them only <laughs> briefly showing it on camera. Like, yeah, that, that was where they, again, another moment where they, they kind of lost me. I'm assuming you didn't go higher than 3 JP. 2.25. Oh, yeah, yeah, you did say. Yeah. And, 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 and I have to say, like, I get your points. And it is true that there is some good work within it. It's probably a mileage on how much you're willing to tolerate it. And I was, I'd felt like, oh, I've wasted time again, haven't I? Mm. Oh, shit. That's <laughs> half an hour I'm not getting back. <laughs> oh. Well, speaking of star ratings, I don't know where to go next other than the. Uh... The other big notable match of the night, the uh, the Wyatt Swamp fight. I'm I'm just having a little bit of browse on Grapple right now, Gareth. Uh, One point two two average. <laughs> I was like, wow, <laughs> that is. I mean, I remember WrestleMania weekends when like the first, you know, cinematic. Do I hate using that phrase? But it's it's kind of become the phrase. Do do we matches taking part? I remember you saying, Gareth. Do I even put this on the app? Like, it is. Is it even rateable? And I think we found out they are rateable. Uh, the problem is the the rating's going to be in the one star range, and yeah, that's uh, firmly where I sit with that one. I think with that one, like the rating was it was weird because I was watching like I was in there quick slapping on my not point two five on there kind of thing because <laughs> yeah. I absolutely hated it. Like, I, I, wow. but then I was watching the ratings come through, and there's people some you know people giving it fours, people giving it like three point seven five, four point two five, and I was thinking like. These are serious ratings. Like sometimes you you know you see those things come and you think yeah yeah here's here's some troll slapping a five on it or something like that kind of thing just for the shits and giggles sort of thing. But I was thinking oh my god are people out there actually like did they en- enjoy that because uh, to me it was the it was the absolute pits. It was the it was the, it was for me it was stick a you know stick a knife in this it's ap- this whole cinematic wrestling thing is just absolutely done because whereas we all enjoyed with a bit tongue-in-cheek that Undertaker AJ Styles on that WrestleMania weekend when we were we were talking there. Like, it's almost like the ideas have just ran out quick. They ran out very quick. They're just leaning on the same little, you know, tropes again and again. And just, I was I was sitting there thinking, okay, at least there might be a bit of humor in this kind of thing. There might be just some stuff I can laugh at. There wasn't even stuff I could laugh at. There was, it was just, I was just sat there thinking, what am I doing sat here? At fucking two fifteen in the morning, like <laughs> waiting for this to end so I can hit submit on a match to go on an app. Like, what, what am I doing in my life? You know, it was just ah, oh, <laughs> literally there was just nothing, nothing I could have took out of it that was remotely positive, enjoyable, fun, funny, anything. Like it was just ah, oh, the pits. I, I'm with you hundred percent. This was the nadir of cinematic wrestling. And I was thinking, what kind of cinema is it? And you mentioned about the tropes they use. They're just a fucking schlock studio just doing these matches. There were points in it where there were just these inexplicable quick cuts. And again, I was reminded by that film in the middle of Exit Through the Gift Shop. And you're just going, this is an unwatchable fucking mess. And they're trying to suggest like there's psychology and depth to this. There's no depth to this. Like, for bad filmmakers, it's Uwe Boll stuff. This is the level that they are at. That's how bad this is. And it's pure Vince at this point. 
I'd be very surprised if Jeremy Borash is there other than perhaps any other kind of production aspect because it feels like this is the stuff that he loves. And it was it was just god-awful. Mm. Um, painful stuff. I looked at it, and I think it was like 15 minutes to go. Or it might have been 18 minutes. And I went, oh, well, this will be quick. And it didn't. Fuck me, it dragged. Mm. It absolutely dragged. And it was... Braun Strowman is just an empty vessel. There is nothing there as a character. At least the Cena Wyatt stuff, the Cena stuff is interesting. It's not a wrestling match, but it's kind of interesting. Here, there's nothing. There's no psychology. It's it's just weird pseudo gothic bullshit, <laughs> and it's it's just fucking nonsense. And I'm watching this, and I'm just going, ah, oh, like you say, like I'm wasting my life. Like <laughs> uh, I've got the fourth episode of I'll um I'll be gone in the dark, ready to go. Like oh, I need just some kind of palate cleanser. I, I did make the mistake; it was the last thing I saw before we recorded. I sat down next to my son. I had to take a break twice, and it was mainly to just check fantasy league points. To be honest, <laughs> I was grateful of the break. Mm. I thought, ah, yeah. And Jimenez has got an assist. That's quite handy. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, that's the high point of this match. Jimenez getting an assist while I watched it. He's in my team as well, JP. That's where I'm at. It's awful. And Bray Wyatt, there's no... He's a genius, JP. Do you not read Reddit? They think it's Sting and The Undertaker together. (laughs) And And it's the Yeti. It is. It's Oz. <laughs> yeah. It's bullshit at this point. Meaningless bollocks that Vince thinks it's all right because he watched Cape Fear. Mm. And he really liked Waylon Mercy, but he probably got pissed off with Dan Spivey and has just been lying low on this idea ever since the fucking early 90s. <laughs> Christ above. Sorry, ran yeah. over. No, that's it. And, you, and you, do, you do see people frame her as like this, this genius kind of guy that the bro wires is behind the scenes and i yeah i just don't see it at this point like i i did a, for me for my sins i again i was in bed my laptop was still on i kept it on and i know i watched this to its conclusion and yeah i think part of it as well it's like you mentioned how much we all enjoyed that undertaker aj match like undertaker is i mean say what you want about that shitty undertaker documentary series but he did go on record to kind of say i'll never finish <laughs> oh, yeah. well he goes on record in the last episode to saying like maybe we'll have to save it for joe to uh to cover that entire thing but like he's on record to saying you know i wanted the perfect last match and this wasn't perfect but you know it was new and it was fresh and it was you know something memorable that people took from WrestleMania weekend. I kind of feel like these shitty attempts to to do it again kind of bastardized that a little bit. Not that I'm holding it up as this big sacred cow, but you know to to, to try and go mm. back to the to the well so much. You know since is just yeah, and to do it so badly, awful. Like I, I've I hadn't put my rating in on Grapple. I've just given it a one star, so I've dragged the uh, the Grapple rating even further down there. Um, I think the, the mistake... It doesn't pro- deserve 0.25. I know. Into these points, we're getting into zero and negative rating state. <laughs> it's, 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 the maths. Don't, don't stop. <laughs> Can open worms Careful. everywhere. Careful. <laughs> forget, forget the numbers. It's a scale. And uh, <laughs> 0.25 is zero, isn't it, really? Because it's, it's the bottom number on a scale. So, yeah. 
Yeah. You forget what the actual numbers are. You're giving it the lowest number on a scale. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not one man's opinion. It's, 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 it's a range it's of It's the hill you're dying on, mate. Uh, Fair yeah. play. <laughs> we'll get all the uh, the grapple uh, selling points in, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, like I say, I only tuned in for the end of this thing. And I, to be honest, I mainly wanted to talk about it to just to sympathise with uh, with Garrett's night. <laughs> but like, was there anything else on the show you call a, a highlight or a low light? Um, again, you said before, JP, some of the in-ring was actually all right on the show. Oh, do you know what? I was enjoying Sasha Banks' Asuka. It was a perfectly good match. It really was. And I am of the belief that if you went all the way with a big marketing push behind a Sasha Banks, she'd become a real big star. Um, Like, there is just something there, I think, in terms of a genuine kind of intangible. In ring, at points, this wasn't always there, but it was very good. And then the ending happened. Then the finish happened. And it was fucking abysmal. With Bailey putting on the ref's shirt and counting the pin and forcing the timekeeper to ring the bell, and that's the end of the match. And it just kills any momentum on it. And it felt like somewhat like the Mysterio Seth Rollins match, where but the, the booking has killed it. It's absolutely killed it. It was a perfectly decent for me, like three and a half star match, you know one of the more kind of interesting dynamics they've got there and for how long they've got Ke- um, Kyrie Sane, you know, the idea of Bay, you know, the two woman power trip. I'm kind of fine with that stuff. I'm not a regular follower of it, but as somebody dips in and out, it makes sense to have them as a, as a duo that runs roughshod, especially if Becky Lynch isn't there. And then eventually you're kind of building in something big, but they don't think like that at all. And they just sort of ruin the ending it kind of devalues like whatever value these matches have, but it just devalues it further. And at a time when they got to be careful about just like be wary of pissing people off because people at the minute are going to be able to break habits potentially around this, this period of time and at least kind of find themselves in different viewing habits at different times. And you put on this shit as you finish. And obviously combined with the other, two bits of shit mentioned so far and it's not like the rest of it was fucking what you know it's not that there's a Kawada and Tawei versus um Misawa and Kabashi waiting on the undercard to go is there no god knows what those lads would have made of this (laughs) honestly a god I mean I I agree with you that was another good that was another one where the match I, I was I was actually enjoying it. I was sitting watching it, thinking, "Yeah, this is this is this is really good. I'm into this kind of thing." And then, obviously, the the finish was uh, the finish was was fucked again. As you've gone into the detail uh, there, you know, I think like something you hear a lot is how like WCW was poor for the finishes, and you hear a lot of like, "Oh yeah, WWE WWF had Pat Patterson, and he was like a great finish man and things." And it just shows you kind of the importance of something like this. And you think like, "There, that was you know that was." Really good, really enjoyable match. But again, for a dwindling audience, you're watching that and you're just thinking, like, what's the, like, what's the point? It's just like it, it, yeah. it comes back to that thing of saying that everything just seems like inconsequential. In, in cons- I mean, other highlights of the show, like obviously you mentioned the Sasha Bailey thing there. I think because I only dip into the pay per views when I'm putting this stuff up. Like, mm. I'm really enjoying Bailey in this heel role. I think like I, I'm really mm. surprised by how good at it she is, and like I think she comes, she like jumps out of the TV much stronger than 
Sasha. I think she's, I don't know, she just seems to portray a bit more like charisma and commitment to the role and things. She gave like a really good interview where she had a bit of a go at Rey Mysterio and things in between like a couple of the matches. And I like, you know, she was, she was definitely a highlight for me. I think she was the only one mm-hmm. thing that came out of that show that I thought, ah, oh, I wouldn't mind seeing a bit more of Bailey in this role. But then in the background you go, it doesn't matter because it's nothing's going to happen with it anyway. And she'll probably be, you know, in six months time, she'll be coming out to a uh, inflatable people again and it'll all be forgotten and things like that, you know? So, you know, I don't know. What's the point? Talking <laughs> of her. WWE in you're completely spot what's the on. Point? Yeah. <laughs> what's the point? Why get invested in this? Cause I kind of feel the same way, but do you know what? It kind of reminds me of what they did with Sami Zayn, mm. where you've got this kind of thing that in NXT seems like a surefire baby face which you can put in her as a kind of genuine organic chemistry. And if you just carry that on, on a bigger stage, surely you've got something there. And then they ruin it. And then in spite of themselves, the performers make the heel version of that character work Mm -hmm. because they kind of get the motivation and other stuff like that. So I agree with you with that. The problem is, is for very good reason, you have zero faith that they're going to do anything substantial with this. You know, I mentioned the idea that if you had like kind of decent long-term booking, you'd be thinking, right, what could you possibly do towards mania or something that would be a kind of big match? And I'm saying like feel good moments that people might want if you're allowed to have people in at that, at that point in time. But it's, it's so disappointing. Yeah. They just, everything they touch turns to shite. <laughs> really am channeling Joe this week. I apologise. Was Drew Dolph any good at least? I, I saw some. I saw some people raving about that, but that might be like the two Dolph Ziggler fans on my time now who are into Dolph getting his it was all title right. shot. All the stipulations made it feel like a WWF mid to late nineties sort of B pay per view right. main event where um, you've got the idea that. Ziggler can do whatever he wants and Drew McIntyre can't do anything. So there's no rope breaks for Ziggler or anything else. And it's kind of ridiculous. It, again, it, it kind of more fills me with sadness more for Drew McIntyre because he's someone who carries himself at this stage. You can see with that kind of maturity that he has, he carries himself like he's a main eventer. Mm. And I think you mentioned it a while ago. He deserves better than this. He is better than this. And it, it was fine for what it was. Results never in doubt. You know, Ziggler means nothing to me. Um, I thought the finish was quite nice, the way that Ziggler went for the super kick and then McIntyre hit the Claymore. I thought that that kind of looked fine. But yeah, overall, it's kind of stale and lifeless, bringing up a partnership that I didn't know honestly existed until they reminded me that it happened two years ago. <laughs> It's actually the highest rated match on Grapple, which I'm just like shaking my head at. Looking at this, it was for 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 the show. It's like averaging out at like a three point three two, and uh, that just blows my mind. Like uh, absolutely, I mean, I, I'm listening. I'm listening to you, JP. There, and I, I, there was just nothing about it to me that said star main eventer about Drew McIntyre at all. I was just sat there and I was just like. What is he? Like big tall bloke with long hair and a beard. I was like, he's Brian Clark, you know, it's like just wow. it, it felt like it, it just, So you're saying he's like, good then? Like, <laughs> throwing in the chronic disses at this point. <laughs> Fucking hell. But like I was just I was thinking what like there's not to me there's just nothing there at all and like uh, like 
what is his character? Who is he? Like, he's, he's just a big bloke with long hair and a beard who just happens to have the belt and he's big, kind of. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's kind of stoic professional wrestler. He's com- but I don't mind that because it's uncomplicated. Mm. Without any zany bullshit around it. <laughs> but, he, but he feels a little bit like 1995 Diesel in a lot of ways, like we always do criticize roman mm. for being it's kind of like he just feels he's champion because he's champion he's champion because you know and, and, and he feels neutered is probably the, the 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 similarity there i'd say he just doesn't feel like his own man and i i don't know i'm probably somewhere in the middle of you two i i, I think there's something there maybe i'm maybe i'm still blinded by that evolve promo and that promo we cut at icw thinking mm. like you know there's is this guy that wwe missed out on and there's part of me that feels sympathetic because, you know, he's come in, he's got his big shot, and it's come at a time where there's no crowds there anyway. And it's no matter what happens, this title run's not going to be, I don't think it's ever going to be regarded as, as a success. Um, and I think, you know, the empty arena stuff is a, is an element of that, and we'll never, I suppose, get to know for definite whether he would have taken with crowds. But I would say the, the kind of lame duckness of the of the character and I'm just kind of like you said Gareth being nice guy with a beard who's the who's the champ um, doesn't really give you much confidence that yeah people would be flocking to him anyway yeah I don't know I was just a bit bored but maybe it was like quarter past two at that point or something like that so I don't know maybe if I'd watched it with fresh eyes like you JP who, who knows but uh, as you always but, say yeah, Gareth know. you know it's not about one man's opinion it's about all the masses on grapple <laughs> and the masses Absolutely. on grapple are never wrong so, you know, we'll we'll give them their yeah. due. Average of three point three two. That's quite bad that isn't it when you're talking about the best rated match on a show. <laughs> I know. Oh. I, I went three point two five. Oh there you I go. Thought, you're under the under the average. Yeah. I didn't go bananas over this match. I want to make that point perfectly clear. <laughs> go out of your way, you can happily live without it. <laughs> you missed you missed nothing. They'll put that on the DVD cover, JP, to, uh, to, <laughs> yeah. to shift a few more coffees. Uh, any more <laughs> thoughts on that, or do you want to get to the uh, the show of the weekend, which is uh, what I'm excited to talk about? Yeah, very, very quickly, the uh, tag match with New Day and Cesaro Nakamura was all right as well. Um, except, <laughs> um, what? No, was just... What are you laughing at? <laughs> it, was, it was all right. But again, you're just watching it going, how are they fucking up everyone on this show? Sorry, that's it. Don't mention it anymore. Sorry, I don't know why I brought that up. No one really needed to know. Was there any, was there any highlights or lowlights beyond that? No, not really. What rate did you give it on Grapple, JP? Come on, don't leave us, don't leave us hanging. Uh, I might have gone 2.75 because I thought the table spot was well executed. Nakamura, honestly, it's like he's just got narcolepsy. It's quite. It's almost impressive <laughs> how to do nothing while doing something at the same time. That's a fucking gift. Never <laughs> yeah. mind that. Yeah, he might as well literally be asleep. That's the thing, isn't it? He's just. He just like, I'll I forget, be I forget it even works there. Does he even work? Like honestly, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, and Cesaro. You know, he's he will always try Big E. I think there's singles potential there you're thinking of people they kind of charismatic with the crowd and all the rest of it mm. never receive that kind of push you know and it but it just sort of languishes there doesn't it mm. and it doesn't mean anything and it's a tables match why oh because it's extreme rules right okay and here we are Kobe Kingston goes to a table the end and then I remember thinking 
God, I remember how good it was when you won the title. What's happened in that period of time as well? But yeah, I'll just throw a thirty-second honourable mention in there for Kevin Owens against Murphy on the pre-show oh, yeah, as well, pre-show, which, yeah. which, which, which um, obviously. I uh, I watched. I don't know if you either, either you did, but yeah. it was like just short, maybe like an eight minute, nine minute match. But like they just clicked. They had real good chemistry. I thought. I've never. I, I, I don't know if they've been working on RAW or whatever. No idea. But they just. It just left me thinking. Like God, I'd love to see these go. You know, a good twenty, twenty five minutes in the. You know, outside of the WWE bubble or something like that. Just like just get them on an indie or something like that, working together. Yeah. I think, yeah real potential great great chemistry between them and you know like if you just want an easy just a 10 minute watch to throw on or something like that in between something like definitely uh definitely give it a look well there you go we've got a recommendation out of it at least so we'll uh <laughs> we'll take that but as i was gonna say the uh the show that i can give you plenty of recommendations from jp i imagine hey. this is right up your street impact oh, anniversary yeah. this weekend like it probably shouldn't be a surprise that it was infinitely better in my opinion than extreme rules but really i had a fucking great time watching this i wish i'd watched it live i ended up watching it the day after after seeing seeing some reviews coming through and i mean for you jp as well like it's a who's who of uh, impact royalty coming back motor machine machine guns uh eric young Doc Gallows. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I'm running Doc out of people Gallows. already, but you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there, was, there was some nostalgia for you there, JP, a bit of, uh, bit of the classic days of your uh, your favourite wrestling promotion. Oh, it was it was classic TNA. Like, really was, when you think about it. It had um, too many veterans on. That's always a thing. It had a women's cluster match that was awful, which managed to misuse lots of people who are potentially good, which, again, is impressive. Like... A couple of, like, the tag match was really good. I thought the Willie Mack-Chris Bay match was good. I quite like Willie Mack. Um, and, you know, and the main event, obviously, they have to overbook it and do kind of silly stuff with it as well. But I was there thinking, yeah, this is TNA. It's <laughs> like, this, it's the part of it that will not die. And it doesn't matter who's there. Mm. It's just embedded into the company to kind of do wacky things. So at the end of the night, you you've got the belt on Eddie Edwards. And I'm like, right. Didn't they do that about two years ago? (laughs) Okay. What's different now? All I've seen him do is the occasional hardcore match when I tune in four times a year. Um, Yeah. It's kind of a shit show, but it's, it's the same shit show. It always has been. Mm. And so there's kind of chuckling aspects about it. And the roster and everything else is just, it's kind of all over the place, isn't it? Mm. It's absolutely bonkers. But there was Ken Shamrock and Sammy Callahan versus. <laughs> that was better than I thought it would be. I have to say, um, yeah, that that was something I thought. Ah, oh, this is going to be complete shite. And I found uh, versus the North, and mm. all credit to the North because they did a. I thought they did a fucking tremendous job with them. But yeah, this was. This was definitely like the most fun show mm. over the last kind of couple of weeks outside of the AEW stuff. Oh, totally. Yeah, I had, I had, like I said, I had a whale of a time watching it. Um, mm. I would, you know, the the tag match between the, the Motor City Machine Guns tag, like I would put with the Radicals. Uh, Rask- Radicals? Rascals? What year is this? I would put that Oi. up. That, I enjoyed that far more than anything on Extreme Rules. Like it, it, it was just yep. a, it was a nice little match. It was the type of match where... 
I would have liked to see the multi-city machine guns come back in front of a crowd and you know mm-hmm. a lot of that a lot of their big spots kind of a, a built around a bit like the young bucks it's like that quick escalation of offense type stuff that gets the crowd going like you know with a with an impact zone crowd jp like back in the day that might have uh, that might have come across better <laughs> but as soon as they came out like that set the tone for the show for me like i, I thought that was a mm. that was a lot of fun I, I seen like a bit of criticism about the machine guns going over but you know if you're going to be doing something with it and running with them you know obviously the they're the older guys and the rascals are your current stars, but you can always rematch it down the line. I had no problem with yeah. them winning there. Excited to see what they can do with them with the North. Again, like like with all this stuff, it's all it's a shame that it's happened at an empty arena. But I would I would say I thought that was that was really good. It was like a mm. it was a nice surprise that hadn't really been reported anywhere, uh, and a nice thing for like the uh, the long term uh, TNA fans. I don't know if you were a, a fan of it, Gareth. I love the whole show. I like. I just had a ball. I, honestly, I, yep. I I think it was the favorite, my favorite show I've watched in the last month. I think he's a, like and Moose he's was on a, it. Somehow, <laughs> it was. It, oh god! Like I'm just looking here. I'm just comparing the ratings between Slammiversary and Extreme Rules, and mm. like I said there, that Drew and Dolph match was the best at 3.32 average. In there, there's there's four matches here on Slammiversary that have got a higher higher average rating than. Mm-hmm. Um, than, than, than that match in Extreme Rules, you know. So it just, just sort of shows really just how much more of an enjoyable card it was, you know, and it's like comparable numbers rating it as well, really. So, yeah, yeah, really good. I, I love seeing a bit of Shelley and Saban back together and especially mm. especially with it being in, in, in Impact as well. That was, uh, that, was, that was ace. Yeah, I think that they're like, I always liked Alex Shelley as like a technical wrestler. And then when he kind of put that team together, he kind of changed his entire style into being like maybe a more of a, a high spot wrestler. But I would mm. say like obviously the young bucks have probably got the most influence on the the style of wrestling we see today. But I think the machine guns are underrepresented in the influence. I think they've had on a lot of indie wrestlers and like the, the style of match and the the way their matches are laid out. And I think the rascal the rascals are kind of like a, a one of those teams, I think, who who've taken that influence. Yeah, and uh, sorry. I was sorry. I was, I was just going to say we were talking there about Seth Rollins and him just like not being cool, and then you mm. see someone like Alex Shelley, and he's just like he's just the coolest man alive. He's just mm. he's just it's just an intangible. It's just a natural thing, kind of thing. And you know, there was there was a point probably ten years ago, maybe even more, like but where in that original TNA run, like I thought he was going to break through, like yeah. Jericho broke through in WCW or something oh, like that, because he could do the work in the ring, but then he had the coolness and the character and the personality and things like that and all them little backstage segments and things like that that they, were, that they were doing at the time and it's just like it just feels like a missed opportunity to me i think he could have i think he could have done more and like he maybe still can do more like mm. who knows yeah. but i think it's it's partly because he's got a very good work life balance as well isn't he because he does his kind of physiotherapy stuff and he seems like one of the few wrestlers who is kind of mature about the decisions that they seem to make so he comes back sporadically not often but tends to want to work with certain people and like he seems to have a good reputation amongst his peers as well as someone that they like to work with and he just tends to elevate matches doesn't he Mm. and this was like the, the idea of the logic of it, I didn't think the Rascals lose anything at all by losing this match. And like you say, you team it up down the line, it makes the North match mean a little bit more. It's kind of just good tag team booking. You've got them mm. there for that, so you, you're going to get going to get a couple of good matches out of them. 
and they're going to put over your champions in the end, or you might end up leading some kind of feud there with the North. And, you know, it, it's, it depends how much they stay around. And I think that kind of depends on Shelley himself. Uh, Sabin, you very rarely seem to hear from these days at all. So I don't know if he's in some kind of semi-retirement at this point. Yeah, I think it takes a lot to get them, get the both about a bed, to be honest, and in, a, mm. and in the ring. Um, what a year Shelley's had, by the way. Like, obviously reforming the uh, the time splitters on, on NXT as well. Doing a bit of Ring of Honor. It is an impact. Just does what he wants. I respect that about him. And yet, yeah, I, I was always one of them, one of them, Gareth, like 2005 era Alex Shelley. Those promos, he could have been. Honestly, I think there's mm. an alternative timeline out there where he's like some CM Punk-like figure in uh, in wrestling. Um and instead, again, the negative of TNA that you can probably blame, uh, his career kind of didn't, you know, go the direction we all hoped. Uh, sorry, that JT, sounds like a cracking TW mod. <laughs> Should we take do over TNA from the beginning? Like, but it sounds it, like any TNA it, save I've ever done. Like where any any save I've ever done, Alex Shelley's one of my top guys. So yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it just would have been this kind of dream promotion yeah i could get on board with that the other one had to go to the wayfire for obviously for very good reasons (laughs) yeah but but jp (laughs) but yeah you doing a a a rebooking of tna history you know starting in like 2010 and fixing the last 10 years jp i think i think that's uh uh like honestly hogan would be met at the door with a gigantic fucking no sign but then i do (laughs) daft things I'd bring in Bob Sapp for shits and giggles. <laughs> I reckon that's something that could could have worked, given the time. Got a bit of mainstream. Terrible ball. in the ring, obviously. <laughs> King of the Mountain matches, they wouldn't have been happening. Jeff would have had a role. <laughs> he was missing. Of course he would. He would have convinced me in the computer to book the fucking mod <laughs> for me, wouldn't he? And I go, I got worked by him. Worked by <laughs> digital Jeff Jarrett yet again. <laughs> oh, there's always that danger. Like there was always a chance he'd fucking turn up on this mm. show. You never know with Jeff Jarrett. Oh you? yeah, WWE contract be damned. Um, yeah, but I, I, I mean, going through the rest of the card, like I, one thing, I, one like match I really mm. loved, like uh, Deanna Parazzo and Jordan Grace. Like absolutely, I thought I was on an island with this because I went on Grapple and I was giving it three point seven five, and the average was a little below that. And then I saw your rating, Gareth, and you've given it four, and I was like, yes, there you go. <laughs> like, there's there's some vindication. Like somebody like this as much as like there, there was something about this match where it was just like I think it was the execution of like Jordan Grace is brilliant, like a, a throws and just the general presence uh, in a ring is a, is kind of unmatched um in 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 a lot of american indie indies res, uh, women's wrestling uh, maybe with you know Tessa Blanchard maybe being the uh, the exception obviously not being on this show but Diana Parazzo somebody who I've seen bits and bobs of but I thought she was a perfect opponent for Jordan Grace like it was one of those it just felt like a just a solid fight between two people trying to win a wrestling match. There weren't many bells and whistles for it. Maybe that explains why the grapple rating's a little bit lower than me, but I just enjoyed like seeing these two struggle, throw each other around, try and get submissions and and yeah, work this like like a fight. Um it re- I thought there's something about the empty arena atmosphere where a match like that goes so much further than me, with me than like mm. say say for example the fucking the hardcore match with Moose and Tommy Dreamer earlier on where you know they're exchanging shitty weapon shots to no reaction. I would take this kind of almost grapple and struggle between two women trying to trying to win a match and, and taking a title seriously over that 
at any day. I thought this was a real sleeper of a match on this show. Yeah, like, I mean, you say there, I give it four. I was, like, debating, should I go 4.25 on it? I absolutely mm-hmm. fucking loved it. It was, like, it, one of the best matches that I've enjoyed watching in the, in the last few months. And, like, especially when you're coming at it where, like, I literally watch Impact about, like, once a year or something like that. Just pick the odd show and watch. And, like, they had that short little video package that just got over the the rivalry between them that, you know, in, in a short space of time. So kind of went into it just knowing, okay, there's something there, but they came out and they just like the pace they were working at. And they were just like knocking hell out of each other. They were so aggressive. And like the, just whether it was hitting each other or whether it was, you know, suplexes and things like that, that they were doing, there was just like great stuff with like, just working the, like one work in the back, one work in the arm, trying to set up like finishes and things like that. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was ace, but, I, th- I think the pace that it was at was like one of the things for me. And it, 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 it was just like, it just felt like nonstop. They were just, just working so much. And, and I think like one of the things that I, as I was kind of thinking about it a bit later on was, and don't know if we get there a bit later on, but I, I was thinking about that like Naito evil match mm. and like, there was just no aggression or hatred in that match kind of thing. And then I was mm. thinking, and that's like supposed to be the top, tippity top of new japan kind of thing and then i was like and he's this whatever second match on the card or something you know you know women's title in impact and it was 10 times more aggressive and there was 10 times more like heat between them than than you had in that match and like oh god as you can tell by my voice like i loved it i'll, I'll watch that match like so many times in the in the next couple of months because it was it was brilliant i loved it I think you've talked me into up my rating guy i think i'm gonna have to go for it i feel bad about going 3.75 yeah. where, where were you on it jp I went 3.75 as well. Mm. Um, yeah, this was the best the best match on the show. Mm. Um, and it kind of, I, you know, I'm thinking of some of the other women's matches I've watched over the empty arena um, era. On the whole, it's been much better than a lot of the men's stuff, to be frank with you. I mean, in terms of the highlights of it. Thinking in particular, you know, Rhea Ripley, Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania, which also I thought worked in the empty arena environment. Different to this match here, particularly, I, I and I enjoyed the kind of relentless limb work. That was the thing that there was a methodology to this. This felt like a proper title match, and in a way that the main event didn't, because it's kind of built around this kind of stipulation. Here you've got a champion who doesn't want to lose up against someone who is kind of equally as skilled, and you can have a great back and forth rivalry. Jordan Grace doesn't lose anything to it. The belt means more. I think you need to lose the. I get you know you can still carry on with the knockout name, but just call it the the women's division for God's sakes. You know, really, it's got those but sexual same, connotations, hasn't it? Like there's yeah. On the one hand, it's actually De- it's in a diverish context, yeah. isn't it? It's the, not in the sense of like Ring Magazine or anything, yeah. is it? It's branding that could work. It's like taking mm. what could be a negative turn and make, make, making it a positive. But I get what you mean. It feels like a holdover of like Johnny Ace Diva era, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. But this is a way that, and it's one of the things I'd heard about Impact when I sort of read any reviews of it in the last few weeks, is that generally the women's division has, has looked a lot better and has had a lot more kind of focus to it. And Diona Perazzo seems like one of those people who's those kind of untapped talents who wasn't kind of, w- knew her own self-worth. You know, it's something that we've spoken about a lot of times in the show, sort of knew her own self-worth, went, right, I'm not going to be in that system, kind of, backed herself and is kind of showing it and really like there's a lot of kind of i mean and both of them are fresh on a kind of mainstream level 
on a on a larger on a on a larger kind of setting. So I think there's a lot of mileage in this, and if you can get the other kind of right components around them in terms of other matches, rather like I've been quite up on AEW's women division, like this match made me not the Gauntlet match, not the Gauntlet match before, which was an it was a you know throwback to proper Russo era TNA stuff, wasn't it? Um, you know, this was like the kind of stuff that if you're having these kind of matches, this is a selling point. This is a selling point. Offer something different from the kind of hokey booking of WWE and just sort of go with this and offer something different. So I think AEW get that now. Not to fuck about, not to make it meaningless, give storylines and give give them characters. And then all of a sudden you've got a few people that you care about and they could potentially do the same if they can switch that sort of inner TNA gene off. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's always going to be there, isn't it? No matter what. Two steps forward, one step back. Um, Scorpion and the frog, mate. Yeah. It's a bit like the Tessa Blanchard <laughs> thing, though, isn't it? Obviously, you know, there's the, the horrible personal side to Tessa Blanchard with the stories that you read, but she's a very, very good professional wrestler, and I kind of got why they went with her, and I love that Sammy, both of the Sammy Callum ma- matches. Um, I, 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 mm-hmm. I, I, I thought she fit well, and it was a good story. And then they made the champion and they kind of TNA'd it and, and she kind of drifted. And then, well, I mean, to be honest, a lot of it is just the fact that she just refused to come to work in the end. Um, which, yeah, you know, she left. Big... She's not under contract. But they kind it's... of ran out of ideas already. And the mm. other thing, and where they TNA'd it, I think there is the fact that I don't even think in the title match on this show they had, she'd even sent the belt back. Like, <laughs> they, they, they went that way and put, put the belt on a woman who's now left the company anyway. So, like, they're having to scramble and put things back together. So it, it does always feel that way, doesn't it? Where the, No matter where you point out positive, there's always going to be negatives with impact. There is. They can't help themselves. It's, it's in their nature. It is. Uh, what did you think of that main event match, by the way? Like, I, I thought it was fine. It, it, it wasn't... I don't think it lived up to maybe, you know, the opener and the, uh, the, uh, the knockout title match, which were probably my favourite matches of the night. But I thought it was decent enough. I thought Eric Young, as far as surprises go, is, you know, it's not the, it's not the biggest name mm-hmm. in the world, but, you know, he's got, he's got impact history, hasn't he? Um, so it, oh, he's got that all right. Yeah, he, oh, yeah, there you go. He's one of their self-made men. Made it all the way to the title, JP. I'm sure you can tell us the story. Uh, personally, <laughs> I would have preferred these three right. in the role. <laughs> but I don't know. I thought it was, I think it was fine. Like, I thought the... Kind of giving the tease of of Rich Swan being the uh, the surprise, and then uh, that is one thing mm. I caught on the Saturday night. The, my, my, my Twitter feed exploding with "That's your surprise, Rich Swan," um, and then you know the, the the double bluff and bringing out Eric Young did work. Um, mm. And all in all, yeah, I thought it was a fine match. Not completely sold on them going with Eddie Edwards again, like you said earlier, JP. But I thought as a match goes, I thought Rich Swan looked really good coming back from injury. And I thought Ace Austin, you know, he's someone, he's one to yeah. watch. Like seeing him live in person in TNT, Gareth, with, with him, like he was someone who I kind of recognized was good. But seeing him up close and personal and comparing him to, like, I'm not naming any names, but, you know, some of the, uh, the British cruiserweight style wrestlers uh, on that particular TNT show I went to right before lockdown it was like night and day there is clearly something there with him there's an execution and a way he carries himself that's uh, that impact of kind of he's their little 
like hidden gem at the moment where I don't think he's going to be hidden for, for too long and mm. there, there might be bigger suitors calling. I almost, to be honest, during this match, I'd, I'd forgotten the, the spoiler that it was Eddie Edwards that won it and I was thinking they were actually going to go all the way with him and to be honest, I'd, if you're Impact and you've got nothing to lose, I might have been tempted to do that myself. I think he was, uh, you thought he was great in this match. Yeah, I mean, I was I watched it spoiler free, so I had no idea. And I was as it was the way the match was built, and I was thinking, oh yeah, he's gonna, he's getting the belt here. You know, it looked like it was it was it was going that way. I mean, I enjoyed the match. I thought it was it was fine. Like parts of it weren't my kind of match, really. So I think it was all a bit flippy do at the start, kind of thing. Yeah. I think as it went on, it, it sort of worked into it. At first, I was thinking, God, this feels like an opener or a PCW show. It was like, <laughs> you know, having like Martin Kirby and. Charlie Garrett and AR Fox is over, so we'll throw him in. And so you know what I mean. Just have, yeah. a, have a little, have a little, you know, six man, ten minutes or a match. It felt kind of a bit like that. And and I think one of the things again, coming at it cold from not watching Impact, it just didn't feel like a world title match to me. I think that was one of the problems I struggled to buy into. I think because it was because of the style and the wrestlers and things like that that were, that were there. I don't know. It just, it just, just took a little edge off it for me kind of thing. But I mean, just as for something like, you know, as an entertaining match with some, you know, decent moves in there and things like that, it was, you know, it worked, it worked, it was fine, but I certainly wasn't like, you know, coming away from it at the end thinking like, Oh yeah, that was must see or anything like that. Or it certainly, yeah, I think probably the angle at the end maybe invested me a little bit more in thinking about the, the world title picture once it, once it had, once it had happened and thinking, okay, there's legs here now for, for Ace Austin, you know, to, you know, something to happen further down the line and things like that, you know, made me, made me think I'd maybe, maybe follow it from now, but yeah, it was, it was fine. Yeah. As a, I wonder, and it's one of the things that's been theorised, is they did they put the belt on Eddie Edwards because originally they were looking to get what would have been Miroslav, Miro, the former oh, Russo. Oh, yeah, that was, the, that was the rumour, wasn't it? And it obviously the uh, COVID issue. And then he, yeah, and then he got COVID and then they kind of rebooked it and thought, okay, right, what we're going to do then is we can get Eric Young in, but we can't really put the belt on him, which is normally what you do in that kind of position with the person you debut. So it then becomes like we'll put it on sort of old reliable Eddie Edwards which I don't know it's not that Eddie Edwards is bad it's just that he doesn't necessarily mean anything in the kind of grander scale he's a reliable worker who's been around a long time that you can put your belt on Mm. but that doesn't whereas Ace Austin is something fresh and different and I agree with you too he just has something about him and he's clearly, you could see someone like a Callus going, yep, yeah, this is the person we're going to go with. He's young. We've given him the kind of big henchman as well, so he can get those kind of heelish victories. There's, you know, it's still raw around the edges. Mm. Um, you know, we talk about MJF being raw. This is a lot kind of raw, but obviously in ring, there's a lot of real potential in there as well. And he looks, he didn't really look out of place, whereas I thought Trey Miguel did. He didn't feel like someone who really should be there. He was there for the flippy-do stuff at the start. And I actually agree with you. I think once he got eliminated, it's not a slight on him. Mm. Although I remember him and Ace Austin had a match on another Impact pay-per-view. And it was all to do with Ace Austin trying it on with Trey Miguel's mum. Did I dream that? Does that ring a bell? Why am I remembering it? Why is that sticking in my head? Anyway. You it, are the Impact correspondent, like, JP. So I'll, I'll, I'll defer to you on those things. Oh, yeah. Always remember that, you know, the great moments of, of Impact slash TNA. But um, I, I actually thought it became better at that point because then the focus seemed to go much more on sort of Rich Swan, Eric Young, and I thought they had some really good exchanges. Mm. So 
I went like 3.25 yeah, on it because it doesn't really necessarily do much for me. Mm. But then comparing it with all the other stuff on Extreme Rules, it seemed to have a lot more gusto and life to it than anything on Extreme Rules. And I feel like the 3.25 for sort of Ziggler McIntyre by comparison seems somewhat generous considering what this match is. Mm. And the angle afterwards, it's, you know, it's, that's the stuff they're looking to get you to hook into the TV show. And it's, it's interesting. I wonder whether or not they're going to do EC3, mm. but to be honest with you as well, because he's kind of, that's his home, isn't it? That's where <laughs> he should be. Yeah, that's it. It's a bit like Eric Young with EC3 where like, it's not, it's no slight for Impact to treat him like he's a big star because he was a big star mm. in Impact, as was Eric Young, you know? Um, and yeah, he's been damaged by WWE, but if anything, when I think of EC3, I think of Impact. I don't necessarily mm. think about uh, his WWE run. I think you can rehab him quite easily. If anything, if, they, if they'd been able, maybe they weren't able to, I would have had him come out at the end. Uh, I feel like they're putting mm. a lot on the on uh, Gallows and Anderson like as being a big deal. Oh. Like <laughs> The Good Brothers, like I don't know if I did I hear like hear that podcast um, where they were talking. They were they talking shop episodes where they were talking about uh, negotiating with AEW and New Japan um, when the deal was up tail end of last year. Impact made them an offer, um, and then they've come back round again. And now because they turned AEW down and signed with WWE due to some Triple H Jedi mind tricks, AEW wasn't an option anymore. And they were trying to like paint that they were excited about going to Impact but it felt a little bit like yeah that was just the offer that was left on the table um, and from Impact's end as well I don't know I just don't think it's it's that big a deal um, I think if they'd have gone to AEW the tail end of last year that would have been a big deal whereas at this point like as much as I enjoy them as like podcast personalities and in general like I don't know um, building the show around them it felt maybe there's maybe there's an audience there they're trying to tap into and bear in mind we are talking about impact at the, the level they're at now so maybe like with EC3 and Eric Young um, it's a lower expectation thing so it's not the end of the world to treat these dudes like they're, they're a massive deal but I don't know I, I just don't know how much Gallows and Anderson mean at this point um, although they, I suppose they did have that uh, they had their run in in the Wrestlemania main events so you can say that maybe you can say the <laughs> Wrestlemania main events is in, uh, and justify it that way <laughs> oh god it, it, it just doesn't feel like oh just thinking about what value they add. And let's be honest, how hard are they going to work? And whenever they do a shoot interview, I'm just always thinking they are permanent workers, those two. They're the most permanent. Like, it just doesn't leave their brain. They're always working. And I think they were trying to garner a bit of sympathy with the AEW stuff and the emotional blackmail. Whereas the brute reality is they just would have probably looked at it and just looked at money. <laughs> what value they offer, I don't know, because Gallows isn't good. <laughs> and no. <laughs> Anderson could be Anderson and, and Joe's mentioned it before like the idea of an Indian summer in a G1 for for a Carl Anderson could really I see be, him be a motivator for that yeah he'd be motivated for that out of it being New Japan mm. he will not be motivated to do it for impact and yeah there's potentially some tag matches you can get out of them and no doubt there'll be the word brewski will be mentioned or ski at the end of every fucking thing that they say for the next while. It's just whether or not did their overall shtick die in WWE? Yes. Uh, like, and for me, this feels like when Booker T signed with them as in, they're not really going to put a shift in. 
I doubt they're really going to care about a lot of other people. They're going to kind of look to look after themselves to keep themselves hot for New Japan because that's what they'll care about with eventually a way of working into AEW as well. So I, I suspect they're going to be politicking worse than anybody else and all the rest of it, and given what kind of bullshit merchants they are as well. So I know it sounds a bit nasty, but let's face it, they are. Like, all manner of fucking shenanigans are going to go on there. Yeah, I think look forward to it. <laughs> yeah, it'll be entertaining. Trust no, me. They won't be. A, they won't yeah. be an impact. In, they've got seen signed a two-year contract. Mark my words, that that two-year contract won't be seen through. There'll either be a change in impact management, or they'll they'll find their way out and go to AEW or something. I, I don't know. I don't see this relationship lasting. A um, little bit more hopeful on EC3 though, and you know, some uh, that that that's a more interesting debut for me than uh, than these two at this point. Um, Not Heath. Oh my god! Yeah, I forgot about that. He did the little backstage angle with Rhino as well, didn't he? Like, I mean, I suppose it's something to have somebody appear on your show a couple of weeks after they were on Raw. That feels like something that would have been a big deal ten years ago, whereas now it kind of felt like yeah, it wasn't really that big a deal. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's much mileage in Heat to be honest. If you're talking negatives of this uh, slew of debuts. He would have to hit on some sort of character that would just massively work. Mm. And again, another sort of booking suggestion you hear is, and it seems pretty obvious really, is that you have him turn heel on Rhino, be entirely different kind of character away from what he was in WWE. And then you hope that something sticks Mm. in ring. It's just a massive unknown Mm. because it's just wonder whether or not is that system ingrained on how he's going to work because I can't see him having many interesting matches for it. Mm. But it depends how much, how up for it he is as well, yeah. as it does with all of these guys coming in, because that's always the uh, it's always the problem with Impact. It's not like they're necessarily motivated to be there. Mm. They're there because there's a reg- it's a it's an entity that somehow exists <laughs> and never seems to die, and you're never sure what its purpose is. And even at the end of this, I still don't know. I don't really know why it exists and who it exists for, other than Anthem just fucking love it, don't they? Can't get <laughs> enough of it. Gonna they, buy a TV station for them. They don't. You- they don't know. Like it's they've got such like still got such an identity crisis. Like when Eric Young was coming <laughs> in, and it was like he's TNA royalty, and then there was like obviously that found TNA title match on there. And I'm thinking, why is TNA all over this show? I thought it was like rebranded years ago and rebought out and like, you know, they just can't just can't get away from it. It's like if you want to be TNA, just be TNA kind of thing. Like don't, you know, six time bring W back soon. Like that's oh, the next step in it. <laughs> oh, get again. Sharp Boy back in, you know. I say that like you wouldn't <laughs> the be The eternal TNA debate that, isn't it? <laughs> six sides versus four. Oh my god, it's all it's always coming. Should we go in the impact zone or should we leave? Like it's the, the endless story of uh, of TNA, isn't it? Or impact. See even I'm doing it. Um any other any other uh, highlights or lowlights on that show before we uh, oh. we do move on? The Gauntlet match was really bad. Was really, really fucking bad. It was it was awful. It felt like really TNA booking. It didn't mean anything. Like Kylie Ray is good. I remember seeing her in a like the couple of times she was there in AEW. One of the matches, it might have been even in that one of those casino battle royals. She's clearly good mm. and got something there. And there's some interesting people in there. But then they do the Johnny Bravo stuff as well. Um, is Susie um, Sue Young? Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Yeah. Okay. 
they're still doing all that creepy doll bullshit though, aren't they? Really, ultimately with it, which uh, I'm done with. I've saw the ring a long time ago. We need to move well and truly past that nonsense. It was just, it was just an absolute mess and a clusterfuck. Um, so not much there. Um, I don't know if you two got any thoughts on it. I mean, I, I mean, I thought it was terrible. The match, like like that, it was. It was just a total cluster. But I think what it did. I mean, you were making the point there about the women's division before, but there are people in there who, you know, obviously they had that cracking title match. But then you've got mm. people like Kylie Ray, who is good. Kimberly can go on a day. You know, Ty Valkyrie's obviously had good matches. Bit with Tasha Steele at the start was all right. Mm. Yeah. So, so there are you know the people there to have a bit of, you know, they certainly got like longevity in that division there's a few different matches that they can they can do down the line so i thought that looked exciting it was just that the ones in there who were shit were really shit rob rob van damme's girlfriend oh god she was katie forbes yeah that feels like she's just around isn't she so it's like oh we might as well use it and throw her in this gauntlet yeah that was, uh, that was why is just there but where was he <laughs> that's a point actually yeah where's Rob <laughs> I'm not saying she's an own independent human being and I'm sure she's free to go there if she wants free will and all that but you'd have thought you'd have brought him out for some kind of fucking nonsense yeah share a car or something you know but other um... it was a laugh last time he was on I won't lie <laughs> Yeah. Uh, did you have any thoughts, JP, on uh, Tommy Dreamer, Moose, uh, or Willie Mac Chris Bay? Willie Mac Chris Bay was a solid enough match. Um, I like that. I think there's there's definitely something there with Chris Bay. I've always liked Willie Mac. Um, right back to. I the think there's something in Willie Mac as a main stuff. eventer for them. Oh wow! High praise. Like, it's it's impact. So you can throw shit against the wall and see if it sticks. <laughs> That's doesn't true. It? Yeah. With no reaction. Well, they've tried with Moose to be fair, so you know. Uh, but he's a he's cat. He's charismatic. Mm-hmm. He can work. He can do some crazy stuff as well. Like, I, you just think, why not? Mm-hmm. He would be fresh and different. Mm. And yeah. it seemed like they worked him out of the X Division quite well. So obviously go with Chris Bay, who feels like a lot of kind of some of that impact undercard where they're quite raw. And again, they're just seeing what sticks. Mm. But like, I would understand why you wouldn't be averse to giving him a go. I mean, I've heard pretty decent things about him why not mm. yeah it's an option isn't it um i was gonna say on tommy on tom i just said tommy robinson then tommy dreamer and moose <laughs> that'll be a different match um uh, <laughs> tommy robinson to moose yeah that's <laughs> both been a preston i suppose oh, that is true that is true <laughs> <laughs> Tommy Dreamer, sorry everyone. Tommy Dreamer, <laughs> Tommy Dreamer is an upstanding individual. He's no, uh, he's no Tommy Robinson. Um, yeah, I thought that was just like, honest to God, like Tom- Tommy Dreamer's been doing the same gimmick now for like twenty five years. How's he still a thing? Moose is a fucking moron. We know that. Um, like uh, his whole defense of going to chase and run to school this last week was just yeah, whatever. Moose. Um, I wasn't really in the mood to watch him wrestle in general, um, and yeah, that was just a mess, wasn't it? Um, I'm actually that that's one that's like yeah, that that's deserving um, of its low star rating on Grapple. I would say. <laughs> Uh, well, although I, I did uh, I did rate it up slightly for the thing uh, where Moose had to go at ECW as he was trying to push Tommy Dreamer's face into the uh, into the thumbtacks and like Tommy hulked up you son of a bitch and like, <laughs> like don't, don't, don't you dare like uh, besmirch the name of ECW as you push my face towards thumbtacks I was laughing my head off brilliant stuff to be fair to Tommy he was very good in the, in the, the like the promos leading into it as well like in in like you know galvanizing that whole 
Like, you know, I'm I'm the veteran who's, who's lived through, like, the wars of wrestling and I'm back. He's he still got that in him. He's still got those moments, hasn't he, of passion that he can, uh, he can pull out the locker. One thing I loved, though, is it was the smallest bag of thumbtacks I've ever seen. It was like... <laughs> really they was. Had, they only had, like, 79p left in the budget. Somebody had to run to Staples and just, like, shit, get, get some drawing pins. And, like, it was just, like, pulled out this, like, child's sock with about 10 thumbtacks in there. It was brilliant. <laughs> that had to be in a very specific area in the ring, wasn't it? It was right <laughs> over the side, which was handy for the cameraman. So I suppose it's thoughtful on their part. There you go. Proper workers, JP. Working the camera. Mm. Working the hard cap. <laughs> That's what what, what about the tag? We haven't mentioned the tag yet. Oh, well. I enjoyed the music and the uh, CGI from the Irishman on Ken Shamrock. That was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> that is what he seems like, isn't it? And it's like ridiculous because he's still fucking built. He just he looks. He doesn't look as good as he did in the nineties, but he like he does look like they've tried to CGI him back to looking like he was in the nineties. And then he moves like the CGI in the Irishman. Yeah. Fuck me. Yeah, when De Niro's oh, doing that, oh, when, he's, when he's doing them the kicks, kicks and like yeah. he's, he's like really outside. Yeah, 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 that's that's Shamrock going <laughs> oh, for his dive over the top, isn't it? And just landing on his head. <laughs> that was that was scary. That yeah. was ballsy on his part, but scary. He looked he looked very grey, like his skin physically, like a, I don't know. It was like something out of ill. Clash it of the. It was like something like Clash of the Titans, mm. to be honest with you, sort of whilst medusering, if that's a term. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it, he's barely moving. He's up for it, and fair play to him. But just, and it, so he just looked at times like I was, I was killing as I laughing. He just, he looked like just some like old fella like lost in Tesco or something like that. <laughs> yeah. He was just standing out in the ring, just like looking around, just like while well, the lads are working spots, spots around him. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, was like, you could, oh pissing myself. I loved it. Even oh, Sally Callahan as, as a tag team is not a team I expected to be uh, talking about in 2020, and yeah, here we are. It, it would have been like, and it's a very impact thing to do because remember they used to bring in like people like Bullet Bob Armstrong. Well, mm. Just imagine a really hard version of Bullet Bob Armstrong. Really can't effectively do anything. He's game for it and will throw himself about a bit, but ultimately it's a terrible idea that he's in there. Fair play to the North mm. for getting this to the kind of credible level, mm. really. They're very good on the quiet. They really are and deserve a lot more rec- sort of recognition. I think Ethan... Page is one of the like kind of creative people they seem to have around there as well, mm. which says a lot about kind of a fresh input and a fresh voice. Because if you look at them, they're it's what you need for your tag division. Mm. Like is just a decent heel tag team that can pretty much work with anyone and can have some good matches. And if you think of like what they've got with Dionna Parazzo, the women's division, and here this is this is good. It's certainly a good route to go down, but Ken Shamrock, I don't think he needs to be there anymore. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think with Impact, like this was a show where I didn't feel like I wasted my time. I felt like there was good, there was bad, there was Moose, there was Tommy Dreamer, there was Ken Shamrock, but there was a lot of good too. You know, it was like I didn't yeah. if I was enter- even when I wasn't enjoying it, I was largely entertained. And it was relatively unpredictable as well. I think, they, to be fair to them, they, they we've been saying it for a while. They, they quietly impact on a bad promotion, like at least as mm. far as when you sort of dipping in and out of shows. Like whenever I dip into an impact show, I don't feel like I do when I dip into a WWE behavior and feel like I wasted my time. There's all they always they're making something out of 
not much really. And yeah, I think mm. you've got to got to give credit to the uh, to the Don Carlos Scott Demore era for that. I tell you what, there was there was no question at the end of the two pay per views there which one I was like more interested in seeing like the next TV and it was Slammiversary. You know, it was mm. that would that. Mm. There's definitely more chance of me tuning in to to impact for their TV than than Raw, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And they they did. To be fair, while maybe I'm not as high on the Good Brothers stuff as as maybe some somewhere might be, they ended on that high though too, didn't they? They did that. They did the C three C's T's, and they did a good job of making you think, oh yeah, what comes next? Um, so yeah, I'll give them that credit. Um, one thing we should talk before we go um we haven't had the chance really to catch up on on you japan i know jp you on your uh, your round table uh, covered it uh, in a fair bit of detail so we're not gonna gonna go into uh, too deep we'll probably uh, save that for next week we can have a a bit of a catch-up but unbelievably uh, gareth we are we are heading into a, a new japan another new japan big show weekend with uh, sengoku lord coming up this weekend and the three top matches okada yujiro <laughs> Shingo El-, El Desperado, which sounds great. Mm-hmm. And Evil versus Hiromo. Evil representing the Bullet Club. Evil as the both the IWGP champion and the IWGP Intercontinental Champion against Hiromo. Oh. Like, what? Like, if I stuck you in it, if I just woke you up from a deep sleep and was like, yeah, that's the main <laughs> event of uh, this, this second big New Japan show after lockdown, you just, you wouldn't believe me, would you? Like, what on earth is going on at New Japan right now? It's like watching that show when when Evil won. Like mm. I didn't for a second think he was winning. Like my jaw absolutely hit the floor. And then, but with a bit of time, just as things have gone along, I think I'm coming around to the idea. I think I'm. Oh, a, wow, you're on that I, side I, of the fence. I, I'm just. I don't know. I think when I seen him afterwards, like I watched the press conference, I watched the two press conferences afterwards and like, I don't know, it just seemed something a bit different about him when I've caught, um, the bit, the bit of, uh, the show today, he just, mm. I don't know, there's just a certain, I don't know, there's just something a bit different about him, a bit of a different swagger. And I'm not going to sit here and say like, yeah, evil's going to be going out there and have an absolutely fantastic matches with, with everybody. Cause he's, cause he's not, but I think, I don't know whether it's it's not blind faith I hope but they've got my trust New Japan and like I kind of I can sit you can kind of bind to it that this is going somewhere kind of thing and there's you know a lot of people I don't know try to position it as like I don't know a last minute change of mind or something like that but I'm not sure how whether that's true or not and it, it feels to me like it you know potentially has been well thought out and I'm actually I mean I can I can mention him because Joe's not here but um I'm just curious about the dynamic with Jay White and things like that going forward. You're safe, mate. It's things okay. Like, I, think, I, 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 I think the small, the, the small elements, you know, obviously there's, yeah. there's things with the Kenta thing and stuff like that. So it's like, what happens to Bullet Club? And at the end when Evil won and the press conferences, he wasn't with the other Bullet Club guys and things. So it was like, okay, well, what's, you know, what's happening here? Is there kind of some nuance to the story that's going to go ahead and things? So, I don't know. I'm not going to outright reject it at this point. I think they've intrigued me enough to say, "Okay, let's let's see where this goes before I uh, before I shit all over it or, or anything like that." But yeah, God, what a surprise! I mean, I can shit all over it if you want. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. You know what it is? I don't even feel that strongly about it because it's evil. That's, I think that's that's my big problem. Because like I, you know, when it first happened, you taken by surprise. Like everybody kind of looking at it going. 
but why evil? I can see what you're saying, Gareth. I think it's a combination of two things. I think they had a plan at some point to split evil away from LIJ. Whether it was now or in a couple of months or even previous to now is probably where the um, you know, you know the, the, the down period and the COVID period where they've not been running shows plays into it a little bit. The fact that, yeah, you know, Jay White's not been in Japan, Kenta's not looking to be about, might have rushed things and meant that they've slotted Evil into a role that they maybe weren't going to slot him into, into any time soon. But, the, the, I mean, they're certainly behind... They, sit, they obviously love Evil. Mm. Like, obviously. Like, they've given they've given him both the belts, for God's sake. You know, they've, they've put him in this, in this prime role. He is somebody that's been protected over time. So there is that side of it, too. Like... I think the big argument people who are really into this are making, and I had some of those people on Twitter making that argument at me, was like, you know, this is a great story. Evil is, you know, he's he, he's the he was Naito's first disciple. They were teasing not long back, you know, about him not being uh, not being happy in, in Lij, and now this story's paying off, and you know, Lij are obscenely popular in Japan, and. You know, the, the people are going to be emotionally mm. invested in this story. And I don't even disagree with that stuff that strongly. I think just for me, it's... I've got no confidence in evil being to pull it off. I, don't, I mean, I don't argue. It's a, it's a good story. I'm just not confident evil can can make that good story worth telling. Like, I know Voices of Wrestling and me as a side note got some pelters for suggesting, you know, Shingo in the role or, like, even, you know, for me, Sonada in the role makes mm. more I feel like he would fit Bullet I think that's the other thing it's the Bullet Club element just evil just like he's always looked you know like he's in a dressed up Halloween costume when he was in LIJ and he always looked cosplay there and on Bullet Club he just feels a bit cosplay as well something about Sonada to me maybe would fit that role better and maybe I'd have more comp probably actually, to be fair maybe a similar amount of confidence he could pull out a top line um, you know top guy in New Japan uh, performances um, but I feel like he would have fit a bit better it's that combination of things really for me where yeah it's me maybe not having the confidence evil can pull off you know this in an interesting way which based on recent evidence and his matches I think there's a there's something to that and two him just not really fitting like this you know it feels like they're all it's just like the leftovers of the Bullet Club this thing that was so cool three years ago and they're yet again trying to inject some life into it and put and the and the shoehorning evil into the role with Bullock. I, I actually mm. think I feel like even though I've still got those other criticisms of evil, I feel like if he was just evil at ten, then he was starting his own thing. Maybe I'd have a bit more confidence. Yeah. I think it's just all of those little elements that just yeah. I mean, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, like you said, Gareth, but I'm struggling to be honest because it just yeah, there's just so much about it that are red flags for me as far as this this actually working as a as a top line thing. Yeah, there's there's issues with it. I mean, it, I completely get both of where you're both coming from on this because the storyline in and of itself is a good storyline. It fits in perfectly with the overall kind of character arc of people in New Japan, which really is their storytelling device. Mm. And so he works, even though from a wrestling perspective, you'd be saying like a Shingo. Um, I, I kind of get that. And Sonata as well. Um, it's just that for me, you've got, the problem of trying to shoe in bullet club who historically are kind of gaijin. So the idea being that they would them being away because of COVID should really work as a storyline strength because hmm. they're away. 
and the and then there's all these little groups kind of fighting amongst themselves and then eventually the gaijin will return for it but it feels like they've thought right this is something we're going to do we might be at the peak with the lij popularity so how much more mileage can we get out of that how much more mileage can we get out of naito who one of the great hopes was Knight will come back. He'd have rested his knees. He should be come back in really physically good shape. And by God, did he not deliver like in this? It was, and I've, I suppose on the choir, I've had worries about ghetto for a little while and about some of these things. And I think it sounds bad to say it, but he's kind of due a big flop. And while Jay White might yeah. seem like a flop to <laughs> if, us. If Joe is here, then yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can also see at the same time there's kind of, there's there's youth and then there's a whole appeal, which actually some of the stuff that Emily and Steph spoke about with me on the roundtable show about that we don't really necessarily get. Mm. And it's not kind of aimed at us. And it quite often feels like with this, with evil, it's a case of, is this something that's bigger than what it is and we don't see it because we're we're physically detached away from Japan mm. and away from the crowd about how invested they are in LIJ? But it was all of the other things about it. I think the Bullet Club bit is the massive problem because they look shit as a stable. Yeah. I mean, you see the getter. If they didn't have Ishimori, that end bit would have been like when Sid broke his leg and Rick Steiner <laughs> turned up in the ring. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? Because Juddo, Jesus, like it was, it was like he oh, he wasn't moonwalking because that's disrespectful to moonwalking. But he's just sort of shuffling along. So Ishimura is like, right, run in there, take a big belly, belly into the, belly to belly into the corner as just some kind of distraction away from it. But I thought the way the fact that the crowd couldn't cheer as well that, it sort of yeah. killed the heat. I thought the New Japan Cup final match was boring. So you start off all of this in like the worst possible way. Mm. And I fear that they're being told, no, it's going to get a really, it's getting a kind of heel reaction. Stick with this, that this kicking in the bollock stuff is going to get really kind of extreme. And it's going to end up becoming like some hellish version of a Yano match without any of the comedy, but just lots of sort of like, shit going on here and gareth mentioned it earlier on talking about uh diana Parazzo and jordan grace and the kind of heat and the energy like that's the other thing go big on this you dress like awesome kong behave like awesome kong go wild instead no 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 it's just like at this kind of methodical pace like he was, I don't know, the spirit of the worst aspects of Randy Orton was sort of channeled in there as well. But this unholy combination, it is, yeah, there's so much I don't like about this. Yeah. Like the double champ thing is kind of rendered shit. Kind of I feels thought like they a- were going to like use that, use the, the Hiromu match coming up this week to make it like, make that an IC title match and split the belts mm-hmm. that way. Yeah, that is another weird element that he is the double champion as well, isn't it? Just odd. Yeah, it feels like they've done something they wanted to do, but they've actually delivered it in completely the wrong way. Like a really good film director who's kind of made a bit of a real duff one. And you wonder whether or not is that the spell broken? Because I don't have any faith in this working. I really don't. And I know he's only a placeholder, basically, until they probably end up with Naito Okada at the Dome or something along those lines. But fuck me, this is a placeholder? 
I mean, to be fair, like one thing Gado does do is he'll put the belt on guys when it's not really there. In most wrestling, you win in the belt, you crown a moment, isn't it? Like, mm. like, look at Naito. You know, he, he wins the belt and then loses it quite, quite quickly. I mean, he did again this time. But like the the Tokyo Dome was his crowning moment. Maybe this is an evil's crowning moment. Maybe it is Gado pulling that trick that he pulls a lot, where he's put the belt on him for, let's say, it's a month, two months to establish that he's a top guy, and the real big evil run is coming. You know some down later on the line and um, i don't know I, I shared a lot of your pessimism there jp but i do think a big test is gonna be this aroma match this weekend like i feel mm. like that that's the one where may, maybe i should save my full condemnation of it because you know obviously there's the that's where you know to your point gareth where you want the passion to come out isn't it that's where you know Hiromu, you know with the silly screaming thing he did on the uh, at the end of dominion aside there's a clear like passion to this story isn't there? there's an anger there's a rivalry Hiromu is going to be a great underdog for evil like this is the one where maybe the two sides of this argument maybe get settled a little bit and we know a little bit where, more where we are with evil you know come saturday uh, gareth yeah i mean i mean I think it was it was Naito as much as Evil. I think in that match, like Naito was where that's he, he should have been the one bringing the hate. You know, at the end of the one, he, end of the day, he's he's been he's been betrayed by Evil after all this time, and he, he didn't seem fucking arsed. It, it, it just like it was that's just Naito. like oh I'll come, here, I'll come here and have a match with you kind of thing. And okay, yeah, it's a, the the character, but God, you know, surely they should it, it surely there should have been some energy and hatred and aggression there and things. And I certainly like didn't feel that feel that at all. I mean, you know, and and I think as when it comes to it and just that element of like elevation of Hiromu, it's just kind of it's another step towards getting him in that picture kind of it's kind of thing, i suppose you know what it's like you know they're never gonna someone like that the the, the build is probably going to be painfully slow over a long period of time to get him to where they want him to be it's not just gonna it's, it's not just gonna happen instantaneously they're going to make the fans really want it and then when it does happen then it'll be the the biggest biggest thing ever kind of thing because clearly is massively over um over there but i just feel like it just feels like a all in all it just feels like a bit of a like a plot device almost to me like I, I was i was trying to get a feel for okay well what were the original plans so i went back to the original bracket that they had for the new japan cup that they'd announced before covid like it was cancelled and everything like that and you know evil was in the bottom half of that draw there with like tenzin yoshihashi cal fredericks kojima go to takahashi he was going all the way like the the you did and the top half of the draw was essentially the same. You had show coming for for Osprey, like so. I'm pretty convinced they were going there. And then when you look on the other side of the draw, first round was Okada, Jay White, and Jay White wasn't beating Okada there. Like I, I feel like this is where you talk about oh, there's the whole Bullet Club thing tied in, and maybe it would work better with a separate stable. I don't know if this is me just fantasy booking or something like that, but I really feel like. I feel like something was going to happen there with Jay White. I know he's flown in here, and whether or not it's a device for a Jay White heel turn or whether it's a device for Evil to set up something totally separate to Bullet Club and they feud or something like that. I feel like there's there's more to it than it just been a case of, oh, here we go. We're putting the belt on Evil and we're going to run with Evil on top. I think there's... I think there's things, pieces around it that are going to, you know, fall into place where we might look back and go, okay, yeah, it's evil on top having three-star matches for a short period of time. But actually, the result of that happening is this happened and this happened and this happened. And then it's kind of shook things up at the top, really, because they are, you know, there are prior to 
all of this, there weren't a huge amount of directions that were open to them to to go in with what, what was there at the top end. Do you think the problem, though, is is that you're kind of part of the USP is the great title matches and the dramatic title matches, and this was kind of devoid of drama. And if you're, I, I agree with you, it is effectively a plot device. It's a way of shaking things up. That ultimately you run the risk of if that's your intention, rather than delivering on the kind of staple of a really good match. And that's why when Benno says, uh, you say the point about the Hiromu evil match this week, Mm. that's the one that really proves it. Mm. Because if he's having a bad match with Hiromu, and Hiromu had some really good matches in that New Japan Japan Cup run, and if it's done at this sort of methodical pace, it's not. I can't see how that's going to be engaging for the fans, even in this short period of time. And you really need them on board. And in some ways, you want them to be kind of enthused about your products really at this time more than any other because they're the dangers of those kind of irreparable kind of splits that you can have where people just fall out of wrestling. That can easily happen. We've spoken about it previously. And you don't want to mess around with that formula too much. I mean, Okada could deliver in the ring ultimately. I mean, really only Ghetto knew how good he was going to be. I mean, Jay White, has had good matches. Evil's had good matches at times. I think I've been higher on this podcast about evil matches in the past. And I'm fine with him being that henchman who eventually gets up there. I kind of get it. I kind of almost would have gone on the opposite route and having been one of the last ones that kind of turn in essence, like Mm. some might be distracted by the kind of glory, like Hiromu might be and, you know, do it that way. Like I think Sonata is possibly a more interesting choice because you also get to freshen up the character which this doesn't really freshen up evil outside of his ring clobber, which as I've said before, like awesome Kong, as soon as she's finished filming glow needs to get over there and get that fucking back. <laughs> there you go. There's a dream match they could lead to. And maybe that's where we're building to JP. Maybe that's the, uh, <laughs> the end goal. Well, if this new Japan TNA relationship, the impact <laughs> relationship, the people were fantasy booking, you might, you could end up with that. It could work. It could work. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's kind of, that's the, I am looking forward to Saturday though. I'm inter- I think that's a, a good going to be a good litmus test for Evil. Shingo Despi is going to be fun. I mean, you've got to be honest. We've got to be careful what we wish for, oh, yeah. lads. The title match could be Okada Yujiro. Like, if there was ever a throwaway <laughs> Okada match, there's. Uh, if, to be, you know, we said, like you said before, Gareth. Like, okay, maybe we can't entirely bl- blame this on um, on the pandemic. That's one you can entirely blame on the pandemic. In another world, <laughs> there is no way Okada Yujiro is happening on this show. Uh, even if it was bloody Chase Owens or something, I think I'd be more into oh, it. Uh, Okada Gabriel Kid. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, I'd enjoy that. Uh, there's no storyline reason, but. Fuck it, put that on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, obviously we'll um, we'll be reviewing that next week. It's uh, they're coming thick and fast these New Japan shows. At least there's that. It's a bit weird watching them. I, I'm still I'm not entirely sold on. You know, I think I was maybe expecting it to be a bigger deal than it was them being uh, in front of crowds. And I think the, the crowds have had to be muted, haven't they, because of the fact that they can't shout and cheer and stuff. So you kind of get that that weird, clappy atmosphere. But maybe that'll become more normal. Um, and it'd be interesting to see a show. It's a, it's a Corican, isn't it, on Saturdays? It'll be a, oh, no, it's not Corican, is it? It was Corican today. Um, I think this one's... Where's this show, JP? I don't have a clue. It's late in the podcast, uh, Will. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the Goya, that's all I know. Uh, <laughs> all the, uh, perfect, the, the factual uh, gymnasium place. There you go. There you go. Um, <laughs> aren't most of the arenas are cool, though, aren't they? The prefectual. Prefectual. The Dolphins Arena, Google Maps tells me. There you go. There's some info for you. 
Sounds it's nice. everyone. <laughs> Any other thoughts on that? New Japan in general? Uh, anything else uh, before we roll out of here? We managed, even without Joe, to go over two and a half hours. So I feel like yep. we've, uh, we've done a good shift tonight, lads. We've done our bit. Um, <laughs> we didn't even mention any AEW, but I think we'll save that for next week, to yeah, be honest with you. We'll catch up on that as we go. There's uh, only so many promotions we can give a big overviews to at any one time. <laughs> Plenty of time. Uh, anything uh, you want to say, Gareth? Anything you want to plug uh, in general? Yeah, just uh, obviously just uh, download the app. Um, I think um, you know there's a few things to just be putting out on on Twitter this week. Probably by the time you listen to this, there might be something out. Um, um, just going to be giving away a free pass as a ddt show on fight this week um uh, that's been promoted over there so just got a free pass to give out for that so look out for that one on on twitter but uh, otherwise yeah just uh, listen to uh, listen to these guys and their their reams of their podcasts that they've been churning out for your audio yeah. pleasure yeah. so yeah uh, jp you've got a you got a big plug there you mentioned it a few times would you want to give it a, yeah. another plug again yeah, have a listen to the roundtable. Um, yeah, we put that put that up. We're looking to do uh, another one, hopefully, um, within the next two weeks. Um, as you can appreciate, logistically, and I know we've spoken about this quite a bit. Logistically, they're quite tricky to set up, particularly if you're hoping for people from different different time zones. But yeah, um, have a listen to that. Um, hopefully, got an interview coming up with Alex Davis Jones about the APPG. Um, and then, yeah, outside of that, you can find me on Twitter, JPGP, three yep. E's. Follow JP there, follow the Grapple app, at Grapple app, follow Gareth, at Grapple Gareth, and follow me, at Benson Richard E. But yeah, that's it for us for another show. We'll be back next week. Bye. See ya. <laughs>